Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin Markland and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is... It's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our buy it now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad that also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live, on-time, Arrival Insurance Program. We got you covered. Visit thereptilereport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder, then visit shipreptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related. Talking Chondros in episode. Guess what episode this is? Oh, I don't know. A uh, hundred. Two hundred and seven shows. Holy shit! Why <laughs> yeah. do we do this anyway? Two hundred and 
seven. Holy crap. Yes. Wow. This is episode 207. We have Matthew Morris with us. Uh, we're going to be talking uh, Condros. Uh, we haven't had a Condro show in a while. Um, so yeah, you guys are chomping at the that. bit. Yeah, we had, we, to, we had we, to throw a bone to the Condro people every once in a while to keep them happy and their bloodlust at, at, at a calm pace. So, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, uh, Matthew is, uh, he, he's one of the guys, um, that is, uh, he put together with, uh, David Newman, who's no stranger to the show has been on multiple mm -hmm. times. Um, mm -hmm. they did like a, uh, an extensive, I guess like a care sheet type of thing, uh, for Condros that's over on the MVF. And yeah. uh, he's it's it's pretty cool uh, for people that uh, you know want some information about Condros. They should go over and check it out. Yeah. Uh, if, for those new people, listen. Morelia Virtus Forum is what MVF stands for. So just look it up. Go over and <laughs> uh, and and check things out. They also have a Facebook page, Morelia Virtus Forum Facebook group. So you could also check them out on Facebook since everything is pretty much today on Facebook, but, uh, can you say that sounding any more sadder? Like, can we go like, you know, this, can we have like a sad piano playing while you say that? I mean, I need like the incredible Hulk music. Yeah, the sad walking away music from the incredible Hulk. Yeah. Just like that. Every time you mention the yeah. forum, that's just what happens. Ding, ding, so. ding, ding. Exactly. Perfect. <clears throat> Love it. Um, but, uh, well, what I've seen as of late, it seems that, uh, I guess, very closely related to the Chondro, but not quite as pretty as a Chondro. Uh, well, rough scale well, seems to be... That's some people's opinions. <laughs> but... <laughs> rough scale seems to be the uh, hot item of the week. Uh, yeah. We know yeah, two former guests have uh, purchased rough scales and blamed me for it. So yeah. um, I am so happy to take that blame. It's ridiculous. But uh, Bill uh, Spiegel got a trio, and then Jamie Kearns got himself a pair. So uh, there's some more rough scales heading around to people that we know in the little extended Morelia family, which is awesome. Um, you're not allowed to buy any, though, because you have to buy them from me. So you have to wait <laughs> until I get mine breeding, okay? I don't know if All I can right. wait on. <laughs> no, no, that is a rule. Yeah. I, I'm making you know, that a rule. <laughs> you know, next year that 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 they'll probably be right where I want. I know, to be. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And Nick will probably Nick will probably produce them with Romulus, which is why I'll just be like, son of a bitch. But um. Well, see, I will get your. No, 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 no. That, that does not count. <laughs> nice yeah. try. So you were going yeah. there. Doesn't count. But it's still like it's something cool that I like having around, and I think they're a really cool species. So, hey, more the merrier. So, yeah, definitely. I have, uh, I have one. I was telling you this before we got on the show, but I have one mm -hmm. story before, uh, before we bring Matt on, and yes. uh, you know, when it comes to being a reptile nerd. I really am a reptile nerd. Really? I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, like uh, <laughs> now that I, I can watch YouTube through my TV, it's kind of like, 
I, sometimes I don't even watch TV. I just watch these <laughs> different uh, <laughs> different YouTube videos and whatnot. So anyway, one of the fans reached out to me and said that there was this uh, this guy that has a YouTube page and uh, he keeps a bunch of different stuff and that I should check it out. And yeah. honestly, I don't. I want to say it's H L H reptiles or something like that. Yeah, so. Okay. Uh, I go on it and I'm watching it and yeah, he does, he does a lot of like ball pythons and, you know, various other types of things. And, um, I'm flipping through like his videos and I see the video for Tinley Park 2014 and I'm like, I said, oh man, we were there. I wonder what, I wonder what he took uh, pictures of, you know, so I'm, I'm not even thinking of our booth or anything like that. So I flip on the video and I'm watching it. And next thing I know, I see I see Matt Minotola's Borneos, and I'm like, "Whoa, that's Matt's Borneos! Oh my god, <laughs> I know those animals! I know those animals! Yeah, okay." And I'm thinking like, I, I don't know, I don't know why I was so geeked out about it, but I'm like, "Oh my god, oh my god, that's so cool!" You know. So real quick, I'm messaging you guys. I'm like, "I just saw Matt's animals on the thing." So they go they go around, and then, um, sure enough, he's standing at our table. Yeah, and. He's holding one of your animals. Well, at the time, I didn't realize that it was your Brettles pythons. But he was uh, one, holding one of the baby Brettles, yeah. Yeah, and I'm standing there, and I'm talking to uh, Phil from Star Pythons, and you know, I'm like, "Oh my God, I'm on a YouTube video. This is nuts!" You know, like I, I you're know like, "I'm we... on a YouTube video. We have a weekly <laughs> podcast that goes around the uh, world." Yeah. But you're like, "I'm on a YouTube video." <laughs> oh my God! Hi, mom. Yeah, that's what I it's like. What? <laughs> I don't know. It was just weird, you know, like to see yourself on the other side of it. Anyway, he goes back <laughs> later on in the show and he shows these pickups. So I'm like, uh, I must have picked up some ball pythons or whatnot. No. And um, he starts opening up and he pulls out uh, a, a Borneo. And yeah. he says, yeah, there was a whole bunch of uh, Bloods and Borneo uh, people there. And I'm thinking, no, there wasn't. No, there wasn't. The only one. one that really had, the only one that had Borneos was Matt. You know? Matt, and I'm like, yeah, that there. has to be Matt Snake. That has to be Matt Snake. So he's going through this whole speech about the snake, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then he, he pulls out his business card and he holds up his business card. He's like, yeah, his name is Matt Minotola from Philly Herp. So if you ever want to, you know, check it out, here you go. Here's his card, you know, blah, blah, blah. So then he goes and he says, I've been waiting to work with this species for quite a long time. And uh, I finally pulled the trigger and I'm pretty excited. So I'm thinking maybe he got like, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, white lips or something crazy. So he pulls out these brittle pythons. And I'm like, brittle pythons? The only one that had, I said, oh my God, he that's Owen's Brettles Python. So yeah. I'm like waiting yeah, for him to hold up the rogue reptile card. Never no happened. rogue Never card. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he gives this lovely speech about Matt Mitola, and then he shows off these two very good-looking Brettle Pythons that I produced, and he goes on and on and on about them, and then he nothing happens. It ends. Now, I'm not mad, I swear. If this guy's listening, I totally, I'm so happy that you're, knocked over by these brettles pythons because i rarely ever get to see the after effect when people buy them when they get them home so it was awesome yeah. seeing this dude like totally geek out over two animals that i produced but i'm like oh yeah. no card and so it was kind of <laughs> funny at the same it's funny at the same time because i messaged you i'm like those are my brettles i didn't get a shout out apparently i'm not that high end so yeah we'll go this year with our brand cool new cards 
Yeah, our new cards well, maybe, are going to be as cool, worthy of shout outs. God damn yeah, it. maybe you'll get a shout out this year. You know, I'm glad you. Yeah. I'm glad you uh, workshopped your new logo uh, just in time for Tinley Park. So maybe this time. I know, get, right? Love. So, but it brings but, but it up so a good. Cool to watch it. Yeah, but it brings up a a, a, a cool feeling mm -hmm. um, that when you see animals that you've produced and with animals that you've raised and and like. I can only imagine what it's like for these guys that have been doing it for 20 plus years. And, you know, you know what I mean? And see animals that produced, yeah. you produced, and well, then those animals produced and must be pretty cool feeling. I mean, that's what I've, what I've started to do is that if, if, um, if I have a really good picture of an animal and somebody buys it, I, I usually, I have a uh, gallery on Rogue's Facebook page, which is sold babies. And I started it off as people would send me pictures of babies as they kind of grew up a little bit. But mm -hmm. what I've been doing now is as people buy the babies, I chuck them into that gallery with like, you know, what it is and when they bought it or what uh -huh. or who owns it now. And I like right. that because every once in a while I go in there and I'm like, Jesus Christ, these are all these babies. And I've only been doing this half the time as some of these guys. And that isn't even all the babies. It's just the ones that I particularly thought were, you know, really good looking or interesting looking, or I had a really good picture of them, just something to chuck mm -hmm. in there. Or they're going to somebody who is, you know, uh, prominent in the community. Like I have the one that, uh, the one, the caramel that you have is in that gallery mm -hmm. because you have it. So, right. you know, and, and she's gorgeous, Ooh. but you know, above other things, <laughs> it's like easy. Um, so there's a bunch of different stuff like that. I mean, it's just right. one of those things that, like, it, it, it kind of would – it's something for pe potential customers to look at. And I would love to get more pictures of animals that I've produced as they got bigger. I think that would just be awesome. So, right. Yeah. Kind of trace where they where, – where, they, where they're at and – Or or yeah. how they're growing up, if they look like yeah. their parents and stuff like that. Uh, Zach just uh, sent me back a caramel he got from me in thirteen. And it looks just like her mother, like exactly to a T. So I may keep it. <laughs> so I don't know yet. <laughs> but nice. No. It's awesome. Like okay. That. That's true. Um, I guess that's enough rambling for me and you. Let's, that's uh, enough rambling. Back to where we were. The, let's Business. get this party started. Yeah. Get Matt on here. Hey, Matt. Welcome hey. to Morelia Python Radio. Glad to have you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Of course. We're ready Eric's to talk some Conjure talk. Yeah, and I, yeah. I need to learn how to. <laughs> <laughs> I need to learn how to keep my Arubiox happy, even though I'm pretty sure that's impossible. So <laughs> they're horrible. Anyway, um, Matt, some why are, don't you are. tell us? Yeah, why don't you tell us? Oh, especially one Eric just gave me. I mean, I'm pretty sure he shuffled that off to me because he hates it, but we won't talk <laughs> about that. Um, He's not called Grendel for any reason. <laughs> Other than horrible animal. Anyway. <laughs> now, wait a minute. I thought Roos was supposed to be calm and tame. Uh, <laughs> he didn't get that memo. <laughs> no, no. I've been bitten yeah, three times and we had him for like, what, four days? But um, anyway... <laughs> Matt, why don't you give us some background into uh, yourself and what got you started in Breath Tiles? Okay. Um, 
uh, I guess I've always gravitated toward animals that were uh, a little less desirable. You know, rats, mm. bats, frogs, toads, lizards. Uh, just a heavy emphasis on reptiles, basically, is it, from a young mm. age. Uh, I guess there was two events, really, that kind of solidified my interest in reptiles and basically snakes in general. Um, the first one was in elementary school, about fourth grade, I believe. Um, I was kind of known for, you know, liking reptiles. And my teacher mm -hmm. came to me saying, hey, there's a snake on the playground. You know, it's on the kickball field. Go remove it. And so I said, okay. So I went over there, and the other kids were kind of teasing it and, and uh, messing around with it, taunting it. It was really pissed off. So um, I was able to, to neck it, and I put it in a jar because I thought it was a little different. It looked a little different than anything else I'd really seen before. So I took it home, uh -huh. and uh, Dad kind of freaked out about it and said, oh, my God, this is dangerous. This is Copperhead. You know, I can't believe you caught oh, this thing. And, holy uh, crap. <laughs> so he, he took it in the jar, and he proceeded to go to the bathroom, and he flushed it down the toilet. And that was, oh, you know, my that God. Was, that, that was it. Um, but I got a hold of another book, and it turns out it wasn't a copperhead at all. It was water just a, a water snake. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so, you know, I really felt bad. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> I felt bad for the snake. And so uh, I kind of told myself, you know, I'm not going to make that mistake again. So I, you know, I started trying to learn as much as I could about identifying local snakes. And um, so that kind of leads me into the next little chapter. Um, I was in the school library about a year later, and I came across mm -hmm. a book. And it was um, it was basically on Bill Host and the Miami Serpentarium. And uh, it showed pictures of him working with king cobras and milking different venomous snakes. And mm -hmm. I just, I mean, I just stared at that book for, oh, God, I don't know how long, two weeks. <laughs> and I was just totally hooked. I mean, that's just kind of, you know, really solidified my interest in snakes right there. Nice. So there were several points in your story where I was panicking, where I'm like, so the teacher just sent this child out yeah, for a yeah. snake? I mean, that is, that's, that's horrible, yeah. or that could have ended was, poorly. Uh, if it was a copperhead, I mean, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, there wasn't much uh, thought with that uh, with that teacher. No, no, that that is if that happened today, that would be stupid. Anyway, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so how did you find your way into just pretty much a general interest of snakes towards chondros? Um, oh goodness, um, sometime around the in the mid '80s, I was working with uh, Amazon tree boas. And uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, and this is this is early on. I just I liked the boreal tree, you know, tree pythons or tree boas at that time. And mm -hmm. uh, one of my buddies knew um, one of the curators at the Fort Worth Zoo uh, named Dave okay. Blody. I believe his name was Dave Blody. Anyway, mm -hmm. I got a uh, I arranged to get a kind of behind the scenes tour of the reptile house up there, and uh, we were walking around and seeing the normal stuff. And Dave kind of pulled me said. I really got something cool to show you. So he went over to a box and he lifted up a, uh, a cover on it. And uh, sitting right in the middle of that was a, you know, I have no idea what the, the type was, uh, locality type, but it was just this hormonal blue female chondro beehived around a bunch of eggs. And uh, oh, that was the first time I'd seen, wow. a, seen a live green tree. And uh, it was blue. It was blue, just solid blue, which is gorgeous. And uh, that left really, uh, you know, quite an impression on me. So that was that's how I really got into it.
there, that is one of those things where it's just like uh, everybody kind of drifts towards Condros the second they see a blue one. So I don't know why, <laughs> yeah. but it's just the blue yeah. one. Everybody's like, oh, blue one, done. Blue snake on a tree. I'm. That's all I ever <laughs> want now. So... <laughs> <laughs> Fall python on a yep. stick. Anyway, um, what, what's Matt? What size collection are you working with now? Um, I am pretty small compared to some people, but I guess pretty big compared to others. Uh, I'm kind of limited <laughs> in what I got. Uh, okay. I'd like to have more, but I I have no, I have no room, so I can't get any bigger. Really, right. uh, I have twelve adults. I've got fifteen sub adults, ranging from anywhere from two to three years old. And then I've got uh, 10 yearlings, and I've got uh, a brand new Blaze uh, Neo that I got uh, from Bill Stiegel, one of his uh, latest clutch. And okay. I just acquired a, um, nice. a Signal Herp Kofayu, uh, or Canary. Ah, from, uh, from, from that auction. auction. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, that's that's the extent of my collection right now. Wow, is the mm. Kofi uh, is it uh, what's it look like? Is it yellow? Is it green? Does it have some um, yellow? Some no, green? it's not. A, it's not a full yellow one. It's um, it's kind of a uh, a muddy yellow. You know, pretty pretty uh, pretty good amount of green in there, but it's a faded green. So I don't know how else to gotcha. describe it. <laughs> it's a dirty yellow, okay. I guess is a better way to say it. <laughs> It's a it's a gotcha. three week old banana, where it's kind of like a greenish yellow kind of a thing, where it's you know maybe a little fuzzy. Exactly. Yeah. So. Did it look? Did it did it look any different? If if like for instance, if you looked at a roux and a biak, can you notice a difference in the uh, kofi house? Mm -hmm. Oh, this one, yeah, you could. Um, there's some where you couldn't. I mean, some are really just you know a green, green snake. For the most part, but uh, some will be uh, be that dirty yellowish, and sometimes they'll I mean they'll they'll fade in and out of a brighter yellow to a dirtier yellow. Uh, I've seen them do that a couple times. You know, just I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's hormones. I don't know what it what's causing it, but uh, they will change color to some degree. Okay, right. So there's some gotcha. alteration of the color. So, mm -hmm. so now. Uh, can you tell us about the Chondro care sheet that you and Dave Newman put together on the MBF and what prompted oh, yeah. you guys to, what prompted you guys to kind of do this? Um, <laughs> there's several different, uh, several different factors in this, um, mm -hmm. kind of a, a long winded story. So if I, uh, I tend to be a little long winded, uh, trying to go for it, <laughs> go for it, right. do it, do it. That's what you're here for. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Um, I guess it started out, I was doing the guide, uh, not a guide, but I was doing the, a care sheet for my customers because I didn't have one at the time. And uh, I wanted something to give to them. Uh, but at the same time, there were several issues uh, that we were noticing on the NDF uh, forum um, that were kind of, we kind of wanted to make something a little more uh, easy to, access um i guess the most one of the factors was that there was a, a lot of myths and misconceptions about green trees and uh, a lot of this information could be found on the internet but a lot of it was incorrect and you know potentially dangerous to the snakes i mean some of it was just um, 
just flat out wrong. And um, mm -hmm. so that was one of the things we noticed. Um, the other thing, um, the the information that was out there was old, and we in the a lot of the um, techniques and husbandry uh, aspects had changed over the years. You know, Maxwell's book uh, came out in 2005, and it was a great book at the time, and it still really is a great book. Uh, but uh, some of those practices are a little outdated. Some of the husbandry methods have changed, and uh, those changes weren't really easy to find. So that was the other reason. Um, the third reason is that we were getting a lot of people um, coming onto the forum and asking the same questions over and over, which, you know, <laughs> the forum is all about that. You know, we're trying to mm -hmm. educate people. Um, and the members were really good about answering questions. Uh, but we thought, hey, you know, why don't we have something here that's easily accessible, accurate, you know, up to date, um, and maybe we can, you know, save some of these snakes, you know, because a lot of them was too late um, a lot of times for some of them. And so we thought, well, maybe we can get some information out there that can save some of these animals. So um, makes sense. That's pretty makes much. That's pretty much the first, the first, uh, the main reasons why we wanted to, to do the guide. Mm-hmm. So uh, how you did you guys go about doing it? Um, how do we go about doing it? We um, yeah, I contacted uh, Greg Schrader. Uh, he's the mm -hmm. main moderator from the MBF, and uh, I ran it by him. And he thought it'd be a, a great addition to the forum, and so um, I, you know, decided you know let's do this. Um, I started putting the information together, and uh, <laughs> it became uh, obvious very quickly that I wasn't going to be able to do this alone. Um, <laughs> so I started trying to figure out who I could you know, list to help me, and uh, I started reading a few David Newman's long-winded post on MVF, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I noticed mm -hmm. he was uh, pretty pretty darn good with words. He was uh, much much better of a wordsmith than I was, and so uh, I approached him about helping me out, and uh, he agreed to to help me finalize the project and get it set up on the MVF uh, for everybody to see. Awesome. I'm sure it's obviously been helpful in some places. Say that somebody, again? I mean, who's, I, I mean, I'm sure it's been helpful for somebody who's just getting into Chondros to kind of read this oh, and go yeah. forward. I mean, I, I right. bet you there's probably somebody somewhere who was really kind of screwing up who may have even killed their animals so. yeah well that, that was the whole reason you know to you know give somebody a good starting point you know it's not it's not fully comprehensive on the care of green trees but it's the basics and it should get you you know it'll it'll keep a snake alive at least it should well, hopefully it will <laughs> i think so <laughs> i mean that's, a, um, that's that's the main point yeah that's the main point yeah yeah, David, David said, was a huge help with this project, so uh, I can't really thank him enough of it. He's, he's put a lot of time into it, and, uh, you know, it probably wouldn't be readable without him. <laughs> Is You said in the, uh, like, the, some of the misconceptions about chondros. What would you say that is the biggest misconception that people have about chondros, like people contacting you and asking you a question or something that they thought was – you know, their perception um, of how chondros are. 
Right. Uh, I think the main two uh, that I can think of right now is that they're they're mean and that they're hard to keep. Mm. Uh, those are probably the the uh, the main two that I get the most you know questions about. Uh, that's, or it's just a it's the reputation they have. You know. Uh, Hopefully we can uh, debunk that myth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, carpets kind of get the same thing. I mean, uh, this is kind of off topic from what we were going to talk about, but it, it, it always – I'm always wondering, and I guess it might be hard to say on a, on a podcast, but what would you – how do you recommend handling uh, a chondro, like removing it from the perch and and, and getting it uh, in your yeah, hands? Yeah. Um, most of these animals, you know, they're all, they're all individuals, first of all, and it really depends on uh, how that snake is behaving. And, you, and reading your animal is a very key point when you're keeping chondro. It's just knowing, you know, read your animal, know what it know what it likes, know what it doesn't like. Um, mm -hmm. uh, when I get an animal off a perch, um, I'll do it. Um, I try to do it, let him come off. You know, I may have to bump him on the tail or something to get him moving, but I let him do all the work. I don't, I don't really peel him off the perch if I could avoid it. And, um, I don't think there's, I think I have maybe two animals that really <laughs> kind of scare me. Uh, they're not real happy to be moved, uh, but, but the rest of them, the rest of them, I can, you know, I can, I can hand gently under their, you know, behind their head and, and kind of lift them off the perch and get them moving. Uh, right, and that's the adults. You know, if they're if they're young, um, I really don't try to mess with them. If if they're nervous, anything, you know, under a year, I I don't mess with them very much. Uh, I think uh, there's a lot of problems that can happen with the you know, with the spine. If they're still real delicate, and uh, I just don't want to take a chance with it. Did that answer your right. question? Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about how you keep chondros. Um, what's your thoughts on keeping chondros, and uh, what are some tips that you would give listeners uh, uh, that are just getting into them? Um, what's your approach? I keep chondros. What's my approach? I have uh, I've changed my approach over the years um, compared to when I first started out. You know, I had a long along the lines of Terry Phillips and Ryan Young. I wanted to missing a um, lower temperatures. Uh, I have nighttime drops in all my cages all year round. Uh, although summer here in Texas, I don't get much of a drop um, just because it is hot. <laughs> uh, so if there's anything I don't miss, I'll wet the substrate if I'm getting ready to shed. Um, pretty, pretty stuff as far as I mean there's nothing mind-blowing here <laughs> I don't have any new relations uh, but other than just I'm going more simple and not stressing about uh, a lot of the uh, things that I used to you know keep high humidity in there and I, I think it causes more problems than it's worth right right all right okay uh, for um, for new New people, I would say uh, don't buy on impulse. Do your research first. Get, uh, mm -hmm. get everything you need up first before you bring your animal home. 
do not I mean I don't think I think captive US captive born and bred is your best route for a beginner uh, I think that mm -hmm. uh, they're the easiest uh, they're well started they sh at least they should be and if you get it from a reputable breeder they will be um, it's a it's more of a positive experience to start out with and uh, they're established uh, you start going a cheap route and you farm bred slash imported ones I think that uh, mm -hmm. a lot of issues can happen with those um, I don't I don't think they're the best bet for beginners personally yeah I would agree what kind of uh, what kind of caging are you using do you use cages racks uh, uh, I've got uh, for my adults I use Jim uh, Sharphorn cages I've got uh, the 30 35 34 by 2 by two my adult females and I keep my males in uh, the two by two cubes for, for the adults for my yearlings up to about two years of age I have uh, I have a rack system it's back heated uh, various size tubs you know I, I tend to move when they need to be moved up size wise I'll move the, the tub size up um, on the rack uh, for the neos, I got regular six quart shoe boxes with um, coat hanger perches and uh, just a basic paper towel substrate on the on the neos. Okay. What about your approach to feeding? Are you, I mean, I see this that some chondro people like to keep their snakes bigger, some keep them smaller what's what's your thoughts yeah i guess that's another another thing that i've done uh, over the years is i've i've really backed off on the feeding um kept them smaller tried to thin them down a little bit um i don't i i, I do feed rats occasionally but i think that rats have to be done carefully i don't think that uh, i mean they've been you know prior to what we're how we're keeping them today i mean there were many many chondros uh that were raised strictly on rats and you know they all produced babies so um i think it can be done but i think it has to be done very carefully uh, most of my adults are fed uh adults to jumbo mice um and occasionally a rat not not too often but occasionally just change things up a little bit yeah, I'm curious of your thoughts on that. Uh, I had a conversation with somebody uh, from Australia, and we were talking about varied diet. Uh, you know, we were talking about carpets and mm -hmm. um, in particular at the time. But I, I wonder, I mean, I know, like, if we ate the same diet all the time, we would survive. I wonder if it does anything mm -hmm. nutritionally for the animal to you know, to change up the diet every once in a while. Do you have any? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I, uh, yeah, I think so. I think it's. I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, um, I, I know a lot of people are worried about introducing um, something, you know, some kind of parasite or bacteria into a chondro from from a different food item. Um, you know, mm -hmm. that's always a concern, or it is with some people. Um, but yeah, I mean. Changing it up, you know, a chick every now and then, a, um, a rat pup or, you know, you know, a rat weanling or something like that. I, I personally, I don't, I think it's a good thing. I, I don't know. Um, 
I don't know how it could be bad other than, you know, if you're really worried about diseases and stuff, you know, coming from a different prey item. Right. So I don't, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they, they, yeah. I thought it was interesting when we were having the conversation that, uh, you know, he was talking about that he, he varies it up and he's actually noticed the difference in the color of the snake. Uh, Oh, wow. He was doing it with Imbricata in particular, but, uh, he he did this huh. experiment with a a bunch of of uh, of of these snakes and he noticed the difference, which I thought was pretty interesting. Huh. Okay, that is interesting. With that, mm-hmm. <laughs> with that being said, what do you think about? Um, do you have any thoughts behind? This is another one that I think people forget about, but water, just water in particular. I know here in Philadelphia, and uh, Owen can attend. It's very hard water. Yes. Um, you know, uh, yeah. do you have any thoughts on water quality when it comes to chondros? Um, a little bit. I, you know, we have hard water here as well. And, you know, it, when I used to spray my cages, I'd get, you know, the, the buildup, you know, all over the back wall and on the windows sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I read something, um, Somewhere back in the archives of um, of the MVF, uh, and I think Maxwell said something like he thought that hard water was causing kidney failure in his neos. I don't know if there's any truth to that, um, but I start my neos when I do my neos up to about six months. I do them on pure bottled spring water, and okay. um, you know I don't know. I, you know, I've had people, you know, say that it doesn't matter, but I just, that's just where I start them, you know, about six months, then I'll start slowly changing over to my tap water. You know, we have tap water here. that's really good quality. It is hard, um, but it's, it's good quality. I think that if I had to change something, I think, um, and I, and I may do this, uh, but I may get a filter that eliminates the chlorine out of the mm-hmm. water. Um, I think the, the less chemicals that we, Put into those snakes the better uh, but i'm not doing that right now i'd like to and i may do that in the future but as of right now i just use the tap water on all my animals right one of those water filtration systems for the house or something, yeah, something like, that. like that yeah yeah uh-huh. yeah yep. interesting um i have a question coming in from uh from buddy from uh stony creek captives he says what do you think is the optimal size for a chondro Optimal size, um, mm-hmm. male or female, um, I guess is what I would ask. Let's um, do female. <laughs> let's, uh, let's do both. <laughs> <laughs> let's do both. All right. Um, yeah. Um, I think after listening to Daniel Natush uh, and his thoughts on, you know, the size of wild chondros, um, mm-hmm. I I really, I think that each animal is going to be different. Um, I've got several animals that turned out to be much larger than, uh, for instance, I've got a, um, a lemon tree bioc male that was outgrowing uh, an animal, a male, from the same year. It was about five months difference in the hatch date, but he was twice the size as that other male. 
and I think some of the animals are just going to be bigger. Um, I don't I don't know what to tell you. I I, I grow mine fairly slow. Mm -hmm. I think right. my females will tend to be bigger faster than the males, um, but optimal weight, um, I don't know. I mean, that's, I think that after four years, uh, when a female is ready to breed, um, you know, if she's, if she's above 600 grams at four years, and like I said, I don't push my animals, but I also don't starve them, but if right. she's 600 grams or better at four years of age, I'm going to put her with a male. Mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I don't have a problem with that. I think the age is more important, really, uh, for a female. Males, uh, <laughs> they can, you know, they they can be ready to go at uh, 250 grams sometimes. So it's, uh, you know, I've heard I've heard of that. I've never had one, but right. I have heard of that. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I have a, a good answer for that. <laughs> right. Well, I think wouldn't don't you think that maybe even within locality, Harry, I would think. Um, yeah, um, I I was thinking that too. Um, I I had a, a Wyman a female years ago that I mean she barely pushed 700 grams, and uh, then I saw the one that uh, Bill Stegall had, and uh, that thing's a monster. I mean hmm. compared to the one I had, so. Um, you know, I, I I would like to think that you know, you know, each locale type may have a general size, but I, I don't know what that would be. I think they're each individuals, and they're gonna, you know, they're gonna grow at different rates, and depending on how you feed them and stuff like that. Yeah, I would think it's with. I mean, some with every animal, you're gonna have some that are bigger, and smaller, and I mean, look at me yep. and Owen. You got the real. Big guy, small guy. <laughs> Not that big. All right. Exactly. No. Exactly. I've, I've gotten, I've gotten better. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was talking about height, Owen. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh yeah. Well, all right. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know we're talking about feeding and raising carbon pythons again. About how, like, you know, your 2013s are skinny no. little worms, and mine are like eight feet monsters. So anyway, <laughs> I digress. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about you know? I I often go back and forth with this, and and I was curious on your thoughts uh, on somebody that's uh, maybe getting a, a like a chondro as a pet, or you know, uh, they're going to set it up maybe in a plastic type of enclosure. Um, but I often wonder. It seems that chondros are more. Um, uh, more susceptible to stress, which can lead to uh, various yeah. issues. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, uh, like keeping them in a naturalistic setup, uh, do you think there's pros and cons to that? Do you think that's more for the keeper, more for the kept? Uh, which uh, I think there's some merit in in a in a natural vivarium situation. Um, I think it enriches, you know, the snake has more to to explore and keeps them occupied um, in, you know, if it's heavily planted or have a lot of fake plants in there, it probably um, would make him feel more secure um, and less prone to stress from, you know, things moving around outside the cage. Um, I think that that's, yeah, it is for the keeper. Um, but I think to some degree it's also for the snake. Um, 
I would think that a natural aquarium or vivarium like that um, would be good for people with small collections if they were to do that, if they choose to go that route. Um, mm -hmm. You know, bioactive substrate would be awesome. Uh, I think that's mm -hmm. really a cool idea. And if I had one or two condros, I would probably probably do that. However, with the collection I have, um, I don't think it's practical uh, time-wise to, to have a setup like that. I think that uh, there's a lot lot going on and maybe needs too much of the of my time, uh, so to speak, right, right. to take care, take care of it. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's a, a definite advantage, um, at least visually, uh, they're awesome looking, and I think there is a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, helpful additional exercise and exploration exploration for the snake to you know I guess what's the uh, what's the word I'm looking for um, oh I don't know <laughs> I can't think of it right now but uh, just extra stimulus stimulus that's, that's the word I was looking for stimulus enrichment and stimuli yeah I got you enrichment there you, you go, got there you go. You. Enrichment. yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. What I was looking for. My zoo stuff coming out again. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but I, I I could definitely see that. I mean, obviously, if you have an entire bank of chondros or a bunch of cages, having a naturalistic setup in each one would be daunting. Um, yeah. But if you only got one or two, why not set them up with a naturalistic setup? So I could mm -hmm. see that. So that's cool. Um, I would be just more concerned about temperature and stuff like that if you put a big display room and tank in your like living room or something like that. So yeah. I guess that'd be something that would hold me back. Um, but let's talk breeding chondros because that's what a lot of people, whenever we do a chondro show, that's what everybody's like glued to is they want to know how the hell do they make more of these things? So <laughs> they want to always hear about exactly what everybody we have on does for breeding uh, so why don't you? Uh, They're all different. Why don't you walk? Everybody's different. They extremely different. But um, why don't you quick just do us a quick overview of your uh, breeding, and then we're gonna walk through some questions too. So how do you get your guys right. set up for breeding? All right. Um, I guess I start off um, here in Texas where I'm at. It doesn't really start getting uh, cool until about October, and uh, that's usually when I'll start. Uh, putting my guys together. Um, usually I'll see, uh, if I see a male cruising around earlier, uh, if he goes off feed and he starts cruising, then I'll, uh, I'll uh, find a female for him, uh, put him in. And I don't, I don't start, I don't really cool. Like I said, I, I have a, a, I run about 82 daytime high to about a 75 degree nighttime drop. And I do that year round. Um, during the summer, I don't. I don't get. I only get a, like a seventy down to a seventy-nine degree um, Fahrenheit drop here in, in the summer. Uh, come October, it does start dipping down a little bit more. Okay. Um, but I, I don't. I don't cool them, you know, per se. Um, so, and I will introduce. Go ahead. I mean, so do you think that cycling males in and out of breeding? I mean, uh, do you think that's kind of uh, makes a huge difference when you're trying to breed a big girl to a little guy. I mean, I know you said you're like, you said you don't really cool down at all or anything like that. So. Well, I, I, I do cool down. It's just not, okay. It's not real drastic. I do it with the okay. weather and okay. as, as, as our weather here gets cooler, 
my mm -hmm. temperatures inside the house will go down. So it's it's gradual. Like I said, in October, it start the the nighttime starts getting down. You know, we may get uh, in the low 70s, uh, 73, 72, you know, somewhere in there. Um, okay. And so, so it's it. I do have a nighttime drop, um, but it, it it's basically based on the weather, you know, outside weather. Yeah. Um, and, and it can be it, it varies a lot. Um, but so if I put a mail in with a uh, a small mailing with a big girl is that what you were saying yeah yeah so a small boy with a big girl because that's usually yeah. what uh, where some people kind of run into problems is getting a little boy to breed a big girl yeah uh, I think that at least with me um, first time males if it's a if it's a small male mm -hmm. and the girl is is you know noticeably bigger um, if it's his first time I'll usually put her in with him and okay. um, then they go if, if they're not compatible if she starts you know whipping her tail and whipping urates all around I'll, I'll i'll let them sit in there for a few minutes just to make sure if she didn't calm down if she doesn't calm down if she grounds herself and she's still spraying urates everywhere i'll take her out and say it, okay this is not gonna work yeah it, nah, it's clearly clearly we're not happy here so yeah, yeah. yeah why why continue <laughs> uh, this crap um whatever we'll pull them out Exactly. So now if I have a if I have a male that's a, a an aggressive breeder, but he's small, yeah, I'll you know I'll, I'll put him in with the I'll put him in the female's cage. I, I I'll you know depending on the male, if he's an aggressive breeder, I'll put him in the female's cage, and, and let him try that. Uh, okay. And that's worked for me too. Okay. Very cool. So, uh, back to your scheme you said about october you're cooling down kind of uh riding the weather downhill towards right. your drop temp, right and that's and that's when i'll introduce them you know I'll, I'll i'll pick my pairings and i'll uh i'll uh usually well it depends on the male like i said if it's a, a a shy male or a first year male i'll put the female in his cage um otherwise i'll just move the, the male into the female's cage if i'm not worried about it um, and then I'll see how they react. Um, if, if there's a, a problem, uh, you know, if she's not happy and stressing, then I'll remove her and I'll try again in a couple more weeks. Um, the, and I don't normally, I mean, that, that's what I do first. I, I'll put them in and see if they're compatible. If they are, uh, I'll leave them in there and I'll, I'll pull the mail out probably every two weeks during that part of it and try to feed him if he'll eat some of my males do some of my males don't uh and then mm. i'll feed the females at that time as well uh and i just i just kind of do that and go you know every two three weeks i'll pull the male out give him a little break if i'm doing uh, multiple females with a male um i'll you know give him a, a two three day break and then i'll put him in with another female and you know i've done that before okay you ever tried putting two girls with one male in the same cage or is that just like blasphemy when it comes to chondro? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I see a lot of potential problems with that one, but, uh, I, I imagine I, I just that. didn't know. I've never heard of that. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Uh, so. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get Bill Stiegel to like send me a very accurate email tomorrow is what I'm trying to get. <laughs> so if I can get there, I'm going to be a happy man. But, um, so, uh, what is, I'm sorry, it's over now. I've been trying to keep composure, but it's done. Anyway, um, 
what uh, when, when it comes to reproduction what uh what size should your females be um before you kind of take them into it? i know you touched on a little bit about the uh 600 gram females as you're ready to go but what age do you kind of look at them to be like now you're ready time to go here you go uh minimum of four years for me um okay i i, I, I think that three is just i mean i've heard of three-year-old females going um mm -hmm. but it's just not something i would do i just i like them older and i think you'll get uh, a better clutch from an older female okay that that makes some sense and that's the same way with carpets i'd rather wait a year than push yeah. a female yeah so something that happens or has been known to happen in carpets and i'm we're a little curious if it happens in uh the chondros is uh dual paternity can you have one clutch with two dads or is it really hard to tell because they all come out freaking yellow or red <laughs> um i think there are instances where you could actually be for certain which male it would be. I, I don't, um, I can't think of offhand right now that exact situation, but <laughs> I, 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 uh, I know that there's always a question when there's two males on which one was the dad and, and everybody's guessed and there hasn't been a whole lot of, uh, for sure it was this one. And, there, and there's always that question. Right. Uh, I, I personally, I, I hate that strategy just because you don't know where, mm -hmm. You know where what the dad was, um, and I it's, <laughs> yeah, throw a wrench in that works. I love my lineages, and I, I don't want to screw those mm -hmm. up. So, yeah, I mean, I imagine playing like hopping around boys in the chondros were very very important. Is kind of a no no. So, um, yeah, I'd imagine that's pretty bad. So yeah, it, it was um, done. It was that was done. I mean, they they did multiple males. Um, I know uh, Gene Bissett did it, and I, I think some other early breeders did it as well. Um, but I just I I personally just I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I like knowing I, yeah. I like knowing who the dad was. Yeah, and it, it you know what I'm pretty much the same way. I'd prefer to be able to tell you exactly who came from where and what. So not to shed light on that stuff. Um, <laughs> Now you, you did said that now do you take your car do you take your chondros off feed or do you wait for them to go off on themselves and when do they kind of do that? Yeah, I, I wait for wait for them to go off feed. The males, um, they they're they're males. I, I uh they're tough to to figure out as far as when they're gonna mm -hmm. eat when they're not. Uh I've heard several people say that uh theirs never go off feed. Uh, and others say they always go off feed, you know, six months, you know, or, or as long as you're putting them with females, they'll go off feed. So if you know mm -hmm. if, if a male goes off feed for six months, I'm not worried about it. Um females, I've really when when they ovulate and they're gravid, mine go off feed. Um I don't know if anybody else has ever, ever fed while while they're gravid. Uh, I'm sure there's okay. exceptions. Uh, you know, Sandra's yeah. always throw a little curveball at you. Um, seems like there's always an exception to the rule. But for the most part, uh, once my condos ovulate, um, they're done eating. Okay, so they just they just shut themselves yeah. down. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. Do you? Yeah, I feed them as long as they'll take food. Yeah. Do you notice if once the female is ovulated, do you see any kind of um, uh, uh, 
any kind of like does she ground herself uh do you see anything like that or do they typically um, stay up on the perch yeah mine typically stay on the perch they're they're very uncomfortable during that follicle development and during that uh ovulation stage uh and so they move around mm -hmm. the perch a lot i've never had one ground themselves um i've okay. seen them crawl around on the ground at night but never never seen them stay there they always go back to the perch okay so um what oh, i'm gonna jump in here go ahead, real quick, Owen. Sorry. go ahead eric when go ahead i'm just bringing these up because we were talking about this uh last week but not on the show yeah. but off the show as far as like if you have a a, a female that is hormonal blue right and let's say that she turns blue outside of the quote-unquote breeding season um do you think that that typically would be a clue to to maybe put a male in there yeah i do um i've never had that happen but i've, I've seen that in other people's chondros um yeah i think that's a that's a good sign uh that she's she could be developing follicles um that's that's my two cents on it right what about as far as like um i don't know if you said this um when you were you're were hitting on this in the but um, as far as uh, introducing a male, do you think that that has anything to do with uh, the female developing follicles? Um, does that um, sort of uh, stimulate that growth? Yeah, I, I'm a, I, I do. Uh, I think that uh, I think that that does have something to do with it. Uh, I I usually I know some people wait till they see the female, you know, developing follicles before they put them in. Uh, I know some people have right. sonograms and they go by that. I wish I could afford a sonogram, but you know what? I'm, I'm just not, you know, I, I want things to, to happen. I don't want to have to sit there and take a female out and see how big the follicles are, if she's ready or not. Um, I'm not right. there yet. <laughs> uh, so I just kind of let things happen <laughs> when, they, when they do. Um, so I I don't I don't know. I, I really do think that the male has something to do with it. Uh, I think it triggers something um once right. they start breeding um but then again you know cooling down may too there's a lot a lot we don't know at least i think we don't uh, still got a little right. more well uh, things to figure out <laughs> yeah i would think i would think that there's multiple triggers in getting a female and male to yeah to i would breed. think so i would think yeah. so you know it's not just one one thing and i think maybe it might even be individual animals may you know prefer this over that um really mm -hmm. a cookie cutter type of thing so much do you have any thoughts on light cycles or feeding cycles mm. light cycles i quit using lights i had the in my sharp horn cages i had the little um, fluorescent light fixtures in there and uh, they generated a lot of heat and kind of threw off the heat gradient in there um, so I quit using those probably three years ago. I have one window in my office, uh, where I keep my animals and I just use that, you know, the ambient light from outside. That's the only light that they get. Uh, I use the lights inside the cages, uh, for cleaning. When I do cleaning, it helps me see better in there. Um, that's the only time I use the lights in there. Um, so they, you know, they get what, what's happening outside is what they get. Right, uh, cool. As far as feeding feeding schedules, um, 
I don't, I don't keep feeding records anymore. I, I quit doing that. Um, it, it was time consuming, uh, and I feel like I know my animals, you know, well enough now that I don't have to do that. Um, right. I feed, I'll feed sporadically. Um, sometimes I'll feed every, I don't know, maybe a male. I may feed him every three to four weeks, a small meal. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, I'll do that for a month or two and then maybe change it up. I'll give him three small meals right in a row, you know, um, just, just to change things up. I, there, there's probably no rhyme or reason to it, and uh, but I like keeping things, you know, a little different for him. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, with the with clutches I, I know we're i know the big thing is, is a lot of people put a lot of stock on red uh babies and <laughs> yeah obviously people really want red dominant animals um how many clutches is required before you consider a chondro to throw red dominant animals or be a red dominant animal <laughs> um yeah that's a that's a very uh long debated subject on the, over on the NVS. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's, why we, that's why we love it. <laughs> uh, I had, it yeah, I had one, I had a male Wymena. It was just an outstanding mm -hmm. Wymena. It was really, um, I really loved that animal. Uh, I got him from my buddy, Andrew Amon, who lives here in town with me. And um, we paired it up with a Maruki female one year. And she had the year before she had all yellow babies. We paired yeah. her up with the Wainina and she had all red babies. Um, in this case, I wanted to try the male again with an animal that had um, yellow background. In other words, from a yellow Neo uh, to see if mm -hmm. he would actually prove out to be red dominant. If he had, I, and depending on the clutch size, I think that's important too. I think you know if you have under eight eggs, that it's probably uh, you probably need at least three clutches to be for sure. But this is just this is just my my opinion. I really have this is a <laughs> a subject that's probably deeper than than I I know anything about. But uh, it to me, I, I'd say three. If you have three small clutches of eggs um, and they're all red all three times, I'd say you're pretty confident. Um, if you have large clutch and you have two uh, two clutches that are large, I'd say, yeah, you probably get a good bet that it's uh, red dominant. Uh, does that make any sense? Hmm. <laughs> that's just my yeah. it does. Yeah, it does. That's just my two cents. Uh, you know, I, I could be totally off on that. Uh, genetics are definitely not my strong point, uh, and I, and there's a lot a lot of speculation on the red dominant stuff anyway. So um, that's just my that's what I think. I think that. Uh, Hmm. If you have three small clutches and they're all red, I think you get a pretty good ch chance of that. Right. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I can't I can't put a ton of stock into the whole like better animals come from red babies or something like that. I, I don't know. Cause... Well, you know, I, I, you know where that came from, don't you? That was pretty yeah, much from, from no. Trooper. Yeah, Trooper Walsh. Okay. Uh, he's really started breeding for the maroon maroon chondros the red chondro babies mm -hmm. and uh and then and a lot of the designers 
the, the better looking animals were coming from the red neos and there's just more uh, potential, I guess, is a better way to say it, from the red neo than there are from the yellow ones. So that's why the red hmm. is typically more desirable. When you're hmm. talking designers in particular, mm -hmm. I still can't, I can't wrap my head around it, how you guys can pick out and maybe you guys are just guessing, and I, it looks like you're <laughs> picking picking out animals that are going to be winners. But like, I, I see these crazy looking designer animals when they grow up, and I mean, do you look for anything in particular in the neos uh, to 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 like that's going to be a killer animal? I mean, say say yeah, you're, I, I you see a lot your of your bags. Yeah, I see a lot of your stuff is high yellow. I mean, do you? Yeah, and, and, and you I find and I that high yellow, so I'm not going to be a good judge of uh, picking out a really good uh, neo from a certain bloodline. I mean, typically, you're going from where that bloodline is, you know, what that bloodline is known for, and you put it with another well-known bloodline, and you know something's going to good's going to come out of it. Now, I don't have enough experience with those type of animals to, to know what to look for. Um, I really don't. I mean, and some people do. Some people can really pick out a good one. Uh, and maybe it is just luck. Uh, maybe they're right. looking for certain markers, you know, within that, within that Neo and say, hey, this one doesn't have much of a pattern. It's going to be, you know, really dark, um, you know, don't have a lot of melanism in it or something like that uh, i really don't i haven't dealt enough with blue line stuff and some of the higher end designer stuff to to be able to to pick those out uh since i work mostly with the the yellow stuff and i guess once i you know produce enough yellow babies uh, maybe i'll have something i look for you know <laughs> so right that's that's yeah i i don't have enough experience with the blue line stuff to so so even if like let's talk high yellow uh, when you're the yellow neonate is there something i mean is that just a you you wait and see how it progresses you hold everything back type of thing and um, then just pretty, see how yeah, pretty much at develops? this point pretty much at this point um i once you get a pair um like say i had um a high yellow pair and they had neos i raised most of those up and I saw what they did, and I know I know what the neos look like. So when I breed that same pair again, I know what to look for. Now, if I mix it up, if I put another male in there or whatever, um, it, the results are going to be totally different. I won't really have um, something to, you know, I can kind of guess, but that same look may turn out different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, and, unless you get uh, – I don't know. It's to me, it's 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 kind of a guessing game still. I mean, you can you can definitely increase your odds with with the bloodlines. If you know well-known high yellow bloodline, um, you can you know you're going to get some some high yellows in there. What degree of yellow you're going to get? Uh, you know, I don't know if there's anything in the neo that's going to tell you that at this point. When you're doing uh, high yellow stuff, is that typically? Uh, I know there's still debate on whether or not, uh, you know, there's two different or three different species of chondros, you know, uh, are, are you seeing high yellow from a specific locality cross with another locality or, you know, sometimes I wonder if like you're getting these crazy designer animals because it's really hybrid vigor 
type of thing, you know, like you're right. getting <laughs> almost like a car type of thing, you know, you see these crazy things because you're, <laughs> you're crossing, you know, two different species. Um, yeah, do you have any thoughts true. on that? And <laughs> all your pretty and, chondros are hybrids. Eric just said it. All your pretty <laughs> chondros are hybrids. Well, all of them. Doesn't mean no they're still not. Have. That's what <laughs> Eric just said. They're unpure mutts. Yep. I, well, I think that'll uh, we end the episode there. <laughs> yeah, true to that. Uh, yeah, they're all hybrids. Um, <laughs> I guess. Um, I mean, all designers came from, you know, different locales at one point. So, um, I sure. What I've noticed, um, I guess the Biox, of course, are are known for the the high yellow stuff. Um, and I guess with enough, you know, if you selectively bred Biox for yellow, I guess eventually you would get. You know some high yellow beox. Uh, I know that the, there's some German sarongs that are just really high yellow uh, over there. They've got some nice high yellow sarongs over there. Um, of course, the canaries. Really? Um, yeah, mm. they do. High yellow um, sarongs. Wow, that surprises me. Yeah. Um, the lemon tree line, um, I think, basically came from. Uh, PNG animals, mm -hmm. and um, they they produce some high yellow stuff, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess I, I I don't know if I have a real good answer for that. Um, my yellow stuff comes from a lot of different places, um, and, mm -hmm. and most of it is designer stuff. I I'm trying to mix some. Uh, Kofi U, uh, the canary stuff, and with it I've got some uh, OS animals, high yellow OS animals. I've got a beautiful male from uh, Kimberly Birds of Southern Condros um, that was uh, one of her creations. It's just it's an awesome male, almost uh, probably 90% yellow with uh, blue markings on it. It's just a really cool animal. Um, you know stuff like that. You know he's got lemon tree in it. Um, He's got some other stuff in it. Uh, you just never know what's going to pop up. Never know. Yeah, I'm a fan of the – I know a lot of people typically go for the high blue, but I personally mm -hmm. am a fan of of the high yellow. Um, yeah. That's just I hear you. about that. <laughs> yeah, and, and when I look – I was looking at your, uh, your Facebook page where you had your – I was just – Wow, animal oh, after definitely. animal. I'm just like, <laughs> wow, it's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, some of them, are, some of them are pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. Like, so if you wanted to say you wanted to get into a, a high yellow project, really, what you want to pay attention to is 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 really the lineage, I guess. Figure yes. out what the uh, uh, what lineages throw those high yellows and and go back, right? I, I think mm -hmm. so. I think that's your best bet. I mean, like I said, you can always um, you can always start with some really high yellow beox and hope that you get something. But um, some of these high yellow bloodlines, you know, you, you know, we're working on refining them and and getting the uh, high yellow to come out a little more often. So I think the chances are better when you get a, an animal from a high yellow bloodline. Very cool. Cool. Sorry, Owen. I hijacked you again. So, yeah, you, 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 <laughs> keep doing it. It's fine. I'm totally fine. I just got to make sure I keep track of where it's supposed to go. 
Um, so now, do you offer a night drop for your juvenile chondros, your young ones that are not getting ready to go to breeding, or do you just uh, I'll, you just keep them warm 24 hours a day? No, I, I, I have a nighttime drop for everything. Uh, I really don't okay. feel like it's, it's a natural thing for them to have a constant temperature for, for any snake. You know, it's not, that's not what happens. So makes I don't sense. do it. <laughs> Make, makes sense. Makes sense. And uh, I guess I'm kind of moving towards that as well. But uh -huh. uh, I know Eric's been doing that forever. But, of course, he also uh, monitors the phases of the moon as well as various <laughs> other things. I mean. Hey, listen. <laughs> we're at a baseball game he's like it's a full moon i'm like jesus christ not again and he's like all right dude. so anyway yeah. well, you know that, that's oh, another thing that's another thing that i do with the, the i see uh breeding activity uh on on big strong cold fronts that come in like big storms the breeding yeah. activity breeding activity really increases at least here it that does. is that is for reptiles across the board whether it be snakes um, yep. frogs. I mean, like if there is yep. <laughs> a snowstorm or a thunderstorm, my animals are breeding, are looking for food, are doing whatever the hell they want. So that's, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that is across the board, any kind of weather system, they're going nuts. Yeah. So, no idea why, but thought, that's what happens. <laughs> I thought I'd throw that in there for the breeding part. That was just another little thing that I've, you know, I, if, if I'm going to pair something up and I don't, and I see a storm coming, then I'll throw them in there together. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Use the weather to your advantage. Yep. So. Cool. Uh, have you ever tried uh, maternal incubation with chondros? That's my goal. My goal was to do all maternal <laughs> incubation with chondro couches. <laughs> so, man, we well, aim high. <laughs> so. Definitely. Uh, no, I, I want to. Um, but I've never done it, and uh, you know I'm 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 torn. It's it's it's, it's a risk sometimes, and uh, I, I I just can't bring myself to do it. I want to, but I, I guess I gotta find the right pair yeah. to do it with. I, I don't know. It's one of those things. <laughs> of like we went we went over to Buddy's house, and he goes, "Oh, this one had eggs, so we had to lock her in the box so she'd take care of her babies." I'm like, "That's <laughs> yeah. that's a horrible mother." <laughs> it's like you know, <laughs> I don't trust her anymore. Exactly. I wouldn't know if she was like. If she had moved them to like the corner of the little tub that she was in to totally ignore them because no no she's locked uh -huh. in there she has to take care of them so yeah I, <laughs> I don't know I don't I would never trust them so yeah yeah you definitely have to lock them in there yeah it sucks you have to like force them to take really? care of their babies yeah you have to lock them, them in there <laughs> yeah Why, because has they'll to, delay the eggs like in the in the water bowl or something like that. Well, no, no. I mean, if, if if they're in the nest box, you can in in the say three, four days, a week later, they decide to hey, I don't want to do this anymore. And they just get off the eggs. Yeah, they'll remember, die. buddy. If you don't see it, they'll die. Yeah, buddy has a shifting like the two buckets in one. Where the second he realizes they're eggs, he just spins the outer bucket so that the door shuts and she can't get out. So yeah. she's forced to stay in there oh, and I take care of the I baby. I thought Buddy had that set up because he wanted uh, the f he was worried about the female just laying the eggs in the water bowl or laying the Not, eggs he, in the wrong like he, from the perch type of thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, he he told yeah. me a few times that it's like three four weeks later, all of a sudden she's up on the perch and she's like, "Screw it, I don't want to do this anymore." So he <laughs> locks them in there so they have to do it. So right. yeah, no, no, no. no. That's the other I thing. Would, 
Yeah, I got to tell you though, man, you guys are really missing out. You guys are really missing out because Quite there's nothing you, cooler. Maternal. There's nothing cooler than see. I, I this past year, I I didn't do it, you know. Um, <laughs> but it is a cool experience, and my goal is to do it yeah. with as many python species as I can, you know. And I yeah. think I think I think it's a cool thing to do too. I just can't bring myself yeah. to do it. It ain't you. I can't do it. I can't. I don't. I can't do it. There's there's too much at stake here, and you know, yeah. and there's nothing funnier when your friend who does nothing but talk about maternal incubation shows up to use your incubator. I mean, that is what <laughs> I live for. So uh -huh. yeah. Okay. What well, anyway, happened one time? <laughs> then I will. day. Till the day I die, we'll never let this go. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> I was going to throw in one more thing about uh, yeah breeding females um, that you, that you yeah. kind of reminded me of. Um, right before, like after their prelay shed, I will uh, uh, I'll wait one week and then I'll pull the water bowl and the perch out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just I don't want to take any chances. So give her no options. But to go exactly. to the nest box. <laughs> if you want to be well, comfortable, you sit on the nest box. And there's wow. no guarantee they'll go there. I had one lay behind the egg, egg, uh, nest box last time, so there's no wow. guarantee. But at least they're on the ground. So Yeah, thank good. you. At least they're not like dropping them from midair. <laughs> I mean, exactly. waiting to see them hit the ground. Jesus. Yeah, that could that could be really Nerve, bad. Yeah, it could be very bad. Nerve-wracking. Never good. Never Congress. good. Yeah. Wow. Um. I, I wrote down a note as you were talking earlier and you said something about you had some Wamina um, uh, blood floating around in your in your collection. What do you think about yeah. – wasn't there a, a debate a few weeks back about the whole Wamina <laughs> yeah. locality? <laughs> What's your yeah, thoughts there, on there's that? There's always going to be – oh, I uh, – yeah, there's uh, – the locale thing is always – uh, you know, it's always a, a hot topic. It seems like mm -hmm. um, it's been beat to death. Uh, I, I don't know. I know there's several places that are uh, they're named for the area where the snakes are taken from, but yet there's no snakes caught in that particular location. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I think that um, it is what it is. I mean, you you. you Bought a Wymena type, and you you know what that looks like um, for the most part. Um, coloration, uh, tails, colors. I mean, there's all sorts of you know little indicators of different locales. But um, to me, it's it's um, it's just a name. Um, I think that everybody right. knows that uh, it is uh, from a certain area, and what name you put to that is I don't know. It's 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 already been named, so. Why change it? That's kind of my thought. Yeah, I think I, 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 would, I would agree with you. I mean, when you have a specific look uh, or phenotype to a specific named right, animal, right. I mean, regardless of whether it's exactly from, I don't know, you could get crazy with localities. I mean, I mean, if you like move, <laughs> you look at some of the gray band people, I mean, you know, it's like I got this yeah. on Route 42 at crossroad you know blah 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 and you know yeah, keep that's important. Nuts. so i did that i did this well it while, is so if you I can know. pick up the animal yeah. yes well yeah yeah you know you say i mean if you if you're the one that's yep. actually picking up that locality then i guess you can really mm -hmm. say 100 percent that this is what it is right but. and that's uh that's a lot different uh uh you know i i've 
I've been in that group of collectors and, and I, you know, you know who to trust. Um, mm-hmm. with, you know, you know where the snakes are coming from and, and, and they do have certain looks to them. Uh, with the chondras though, I mean, there's just no telling, uh, what the, you know, the, the importers are, are calling them or where they're coming from. Uh, but like I said, you know, if it's always been called the Wymena type and looks, has a certain look to it, then, you know, I'm good with that. I'm fine with it. Right. I just got a question in from the chat room. It says, I guess they're one, they want to know, are, what do you think about the Southern Northern thing? Do you see them as separate species? I, I guess that's what he's asking. Do you see them as, um, I, I can't for you. In? I can see, I, I think there are two. Um, I, I'm dying to see the paper when it comes out. Um, if it hadn't already, I haven't got a copy of it. If it already is out yet. Um, but I'm dying to read it. Uh, there, yeah. I can send it to you. There's, um, I think it's can the you? Barkers that did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send it to you after the show. The Barkers did paper where they split it out. Yeah, but uh, didn't Daniel Natouche, he wasn't he working on a, a more recent one? Uh, I, I think they was. may have. He, yeah, he was, but I think um, they actually. I, I don't know the politics behind that, but all I know is that they named the uh, Biok as uh, separated out as a species. Huh. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I'd love they, to have a I copy think, of that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you. I think I think Daniel's yeah. thing is he's sort of. Uh, I have that paper too, but he sort of split out into, I think it's four or five different groups. He says Northern, Southern, I think there's Bioc, Aru, and Australia, right? Northern, okay, Southern, yeah. Bioc, Aru, and Australia, five, yeah. I think we got That's them all, yeah. got that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think um, I, I can see the Northern and Southern for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a far reach. The, the Biog being um, being a separate species. I mean, it could happen, I guess. Um, but like I said, I don't. I haven't seen the papers and uh, seen what they have to say. Right. Okay. Uh, but I, I do think I think you. the mountain range is is a limiting factor on the north south stuff. Right. Yeah, that would kind of yeah. get in the way of things. <laughs> You know what? A big yep. mountain? Yeah, that's no problem. Yeah, big mountain, <laughs> tiny snake. I mean, can't really do anything. Kind of, yeah. you know, separate it. Yeah. All right. So, since we were talking about breeding, let's get a little more specific about what you going have going on. Uh, 2014, 2015 pairings. I guess. I mean, I guess your season is kind of like uh, just year round when they're sort of go. I've, I've noticed that a lot with chondros uh, breeders. It's just, yeah, I, it's not as, uh, I really, it's not as what? It's not as uh, seasonal as say, like uh, I see with other Moralia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know some people do it year round. Um, I'm not a big person for cooling. I think, I think it is kind of important, but, I don't know. I'm still my my uh, still weighing weighing that debate, you know, with my animals. Um, I tend to put in the fall and early spring just because my temperatures here. That's that's is you know when I get the cooler weather, and uh, right right. So during the summer, I, I just I kind of just shut them down for the summer. If I'll beef the females up if they laid eggs, 
the previous year, I'll, I'll usually give them a year off and I'll use the summertime to, you know, work on a little bit of weight gain. Um, but um, I don't know. I, I don't think that, uh, that that's an issue as far as, for me anyways, breeding year round. I just do it kind of in the fall and early spring. Okay. At least here in Texas. So mm-hmm. I gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's so important that listeners should know that. I mean, when we have all these different guests on from all different spots in the U.S., I mean, exactly. it really yeah. matters what's going on in your area. And, you know, yeah. what works for well, Matt like down to, in I'd Texas like to is not going to – go ahead. Yeah, not I'd like to know. to know if there's anybody in Florida that breeds them year-round. That's what I'd like to know. Yeah. That, yeah I, that, heard I guess that would be – would that be the place that you'd have to do it? It would be a place like Florida and the Southern Belt or something like that. I mean, I, I doubt mean, we could probably. Yeah. I doubt we could get it going up here year round. Killing <laughs> Why not? Everything. Killing. Well, what, uh, well, they we, did it. Who? Didn't uh, Greg Stevens breed year round? Well, I I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure he did. But yeah, I'm not sure he's up here. All right. Well, did he have a climate controlled room or how did he do it? Yeah, don't we all question. have climate all right, well, control groups? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. No. I, I've even heard of people putting a, a window unit in there in, in an AC and just dropping the temperature down like that Man. in their room. Yeah. So. Well, the, Buddy yeah, does the... it year round. Buddy does it year round. Yeah. Didn't he just post up pictures of uh, Condra's breeding? I don't know. I Not too long ago. Seen him? I would have. I guess. I don't know. I haven't seen him. So, no. I'll believe okay. you. I promise. So, yeah. I mean, I've, I've still heard stories of people that don't cycle their animals. You know, they, they don't have any temperature drops and they still go. So, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, you can be good yeah. all year round. I mean, when you look at, I mean, if you look where chondras are from, basically they're not really, they're mm-hmm. not as seasonal as, say, uh, yeah. you know, animals from australia um mm-hmm. that that's why i'm saying that and i noticed that with with uh ij carpets as well i mean to me they seem to be very similar to uh to chondra keeping because Crap. they don't really need that drop down they're the first ones to breed out of the carpet you know it's like a little draft comes right. through and they're like Oop, time bloop, 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 you know time to go but um so let's talk about your uh, your pairings that you have going on. Um, one that stood out to me was the uh, I'm assuming this is lemon tree line, lemon bi, and the black pearl. Can you tell us the history of that yeah. pairing and yeah. what you hope to produce with that? Well, I guess I'll start out by saying that uh, my last year breeding attempts were like total failure. I couldn't believe it. I mean, this first year I struck out. I was so pissed. Um, wow. That one didn't go. I had four pairings going, you know, I, I have four pairings going, hoping to get one or two. And uh, the one year I did that, I had four pairings. And then this year I tried it and got zero. So um, <laughs> that's chondros for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the lemon pairing. <laughs> um, the lemon biok, uh, she came from uh, a friend of mine here in, uh, down the road, uh, Brooke Bernston. Um, and uh, he produced her from uh, a male called Lemon Haze. It was a 2008 
pure lemon tree produced by the Stewarts uh, at the barn. And then he crossed her or crossed that male with a uh, red neo bioc. And so it's a half bioc, half tree. That's the male I got. And uh, I actually co-own that animal with uh, Barry Manson. Uh, so that's our little project. Uh, the black pearl cool. female, uh, black pearl female that I paired him up with um, comes from Rob Worrell, uh, a line that uh, he created. Um, it, basically, they're, um, they're zoo bred animals. They're from, uh, I think, the Cincinnati Zoo. I think, yeah, Cincinnati mm -hmm. Zoo. Um, uh, they were just uh, imports. Uh, not exactly sure where they came from. Uh, at that time, probably most of those animals in the early 80s were coming out of uh, PNG, uh, Papua New Guinea, um, on the, uh, I guess it's the east side. It's, it's uh, I guess, is that the, I don't know. Anyway, um, so that came from him, and it's pretty much known for um, yellow and black. Uh, it has a lot of yellow and a lot of black in it. Um, so I thought that would be a good pair. My goal uh, with that pairing uh, was to have high yellow with black in it. That was my goal. Uh, so, and that's that's really what I want. I want either a high yellow animal with black on it or a high yellow animal with blue on it. That's really what I'm going for. How difficult do you Makes think that's sense. going to be to reproduce? Um, consistently, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I, I think I'll get there. Uh, right now, it's kind of uh, hit or miss. Uh, I had a real mm -hmm. good. Uh, I had some real good luck uh, with the. Um, I, I haven't named it yet, but it's uh, one on my Facebook page. Um, it's a. Very high yellow animal with just a little bit of black and green speckling on it. It came from a uh, a black, the black-headed canary female that I used to own, and uh, mm -hmm. a black pearl male. So um, there's there's definitely some uh, some kind of combination going on with those two uh, that worked out really well. Unfortunately, uh, the female got RI after she laid eggs, and I lost her. No. Uh, so. Um, oh wow. Again, but I've got I got a few babies from her, and uh, actually Bill Stiegel has a couple from that clutch. And uh, oh, cool. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, right now, uh, like I said earlier, everything uh, for what I'm trying to produce is pretty much a crapshoot. Hopefully, I'll you know I'll get I'll get some get some of these lines refined, and uh, it'll be a little more predictable down the road. What about the? Uh just the lemon tree stuff in general i've heard that that uh has had some issues with with uh i guess inbreeding maybe is that kind of worked out and yeah outcrossed um, and such i'm uh i'm working on a history of some of the high yellow lines and i'm, I'm doing mm -hmm. the lemon trees first and so i'm having to you know track down a bunch of information uh, which is kind of hard to do uh especially all the a lot of the people that used to be in the hobby have gotten out and they're not, mm -hmm. you know, you can't find them. You, you can't find, um, records. Uh, they've either lost them or their computer crashed and they don't have it, or, you know, whatever reason, but, uh, some of that information is getting lost. And so I'm trying to 
go back and get some of this before it's you know gone forever. But anyway, the yellow, the uh, lemon trees is what I'm doing first, and uh, it's basically coming from uh, two, three animals that originated uh, most likely from uh, Papua New Guinea originally, and um, they were two supposedly two related animals and one that wasn't. Uh, so one, a male and a female were related, and the other female wasn't. Um, from that, um, some really nice babies were produced, and they went all across the country um, to different people. Most of them died. Uh, a few, uh, Greg Schrader had a couple, uh, a, a brother and a sister that he bred, and uh, had a few babies from that. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, that line uh, was problematic in a lot of different ways. There was a lot of unknowns at that time. Um, I know that uh, there was a lot of uh, popping to determine sex, and a lot of kinking resulted. And so uh, a lot of those females really had complications when they went to lay eggs. Um, uh. So it was it was kind of known for for its low uh, fertility and other issues. I mean, there was a lot of husbandry issues, I think, with, with the line. Uh, right. There's a few a few out there that made it. Uh, I believe, if my research is correct, I think there's only four pure lemon trees left. Uh, after they're gone, the, the line's dead. I mean, other than the outcrosses, you know, the pure line is dead. Jeez. So, um, yeah, there was, there was a good amount of inbreeding with some of that, and... Uh, but it's a great line. I mean, especially uh, it was really instrumental in some of the really high-end uh, Dreamline stuff. Um, it really, really added a, <laughs> a, a a shock value to some of those animals. Right. Now, when you talk about uh, black pearl, is that a line or is that a specific animal? Uh, it's Rob Worrell's line. Uh, Rob Worrell's probably one of the people that was uh, breeding these things really early on or you know with uh, trooper and and those guys Eugene uh, he started doing them pretty young. he was actually credited for uh, determining the uh, uh, the 40 days prior to egg de deposition on ovulation after you know after ovulation uh, he okay was mm -hmm. kind of credited to, to finding that little little key in the, the breeding process. Uh, but he mainly, yeah, he, he did several lines, uh, but this one is one he called Black Pearls. And I don't know where he got that name from, but they're basically known for um, putting out animals. Uh, the main thing that they, that he would um, claim that they would do was they would be changing color, they do green, and then they would slowly lose the green and go to high yellow. Uh, with a little bit of black on them. Uh, there were a couple of animals that did that. It was kind of an inconsistent um, happening, but it did happen to, mm -hmm. to a few of them. Uh, I think there was one that was almost 99% yellow. Uh, it was really a phenomenal animal. Uh, but a wow. lot of them, a lot of them were green. Some of them were green and had black on them. Some of them were yellow, green, and black. I mean, they were, they were all over the board. Uh, but there was there was a few that he had that, that did what he said. I mean, they they turned green first, and then they slowly lost the green and uh, or some of the green, and had a lot of yellow kind of come back into there. 
Mm-hmm. So that's so yeah. I mean, it's it's basically a line. It's one that okay. he uh, he kind of produced. Cool. Uh, I like that. I'm learning about all this high yellow stuff tonight. <laughs> um, what about your uh, dreamline pairing? What's uh, same questions? What what what's going yeah, on with that? Um, and what do you hope to result? The dreamline male was I, I borrowed that from a, my friend Andrew who lives here in town. It's one of he one of his. Um, he got that one from uh, I think he got that one from uh, Brett Masman before he passed away, I believe. Um, but the Dreamline, um, that started coming from uh, Jeff Hudson. I think he's the one that was really credited for having that animal first. And I think it's actually came from, uh, I think they tracked it down. It was uh, Houston Zoo, from the Houston Zoo lines. Um, I think they had, uh, they actually had the, uh, the stud book numbers for the male. Uh, and the females, I believe, were confiscated animals uh, that were from the uh, Dallas Zoo. Uh, I think that's the that's what I understand. Uh, anyway, G, uh, Dream uh, was an animal that was very different. It was kind of almost it looked like a um, it was faded, kind of looked like a ghost. Um, but Jeff bred her. I think he did her. He had four four times, I believe. Um, produced uh, animals like Matrix, and uh, I think there was uh, Rick Culver, uh, Culver's Dream Baby, uh, Greg Schrader's Sickle, Omelette. There's just, just some big names out there. Harvest, uh, right. Daydream, Marduk, Wet Dream. There's a bunch. I mean, he that pairing that he did uh, with different animals, of course. Uh, I think the Third clutch was in 2001, and it was with a pure, purebred uh, lemon tree, and that's where mm-hmm. uh, some of those really nice, nice ones came from. Um, and then I think he did one with, with a um, Tim Morris male. Um, I don't know. I don't know much. Uh, I think I think Pacific came from that one. I could be wrong, but I think right. Pacific. I, I don't know if these names mean anything to y'all or not, but they're they're pretty well known. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Condros, Condros in the in the arena, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So cool. um, the Dream um, One, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's produced some really high end animals, some really incredible animals. Uh, but that again, that that was uh, I was putting that male with my uh, my Ben Evans girl uh, mm-hmm. you know melanism was was a, a factor in that one and that would that would have been my first uh red neo to red neo pairing i've never done that before that would have been the first one wow okay hmm. and I, I know that doesn't mean much but to me it, it would have it would be pretty cool because i've never done that before i've never had a red to right. red <laughs> Sure. I don't guy. know if you hit, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if you hit on this before earlier and said this, but from red to red, can you produce high yellow animals like red babies? Can they turn into? Yeah, definitely. It's becoming more. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Look mm. at uh, look at David Newman. He's he's going to have some incredible stuff coming up. Uh, he's got. Oh yeah, that's true. yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of his I forget are that. red neo babies. <laughs> yep. Uh, there's other people doing it too. Uh, I personally, I, if I had to start over, I would have started over with uh, high yellow animals from yellow neonates. Um, mm -hmm. I don't. I, I've been mixing it up. I, I tried to get some of that melanism that comes from some of the blue lines. I was trying to to get that into that bloodline, and so some of my, you know, my pairings in, involved some uh, maroon um, neos from blue lines. And so, like I said, if I had to do right. over, I probably would have stuck to the all yellow stuff. Mm -hmm. Just to see, you know, just to see if it's different. Because there actually is, a, I think there's a difference in a high yellow animal from a yellow neonate as opposed to one from a red neonate. I think the, the yellows are different. Um, the yellows from a red neonate, at least in my, my experience, they they're more um, they have more orange in them. Uh, mm -hmm. They tend to be not as bright or as vibrant uh, as compared to the ones that uh, are high yellows that come from yellow neonates. I think it's a it's a brighter yellow, but that's just this is my All observation right. from what I've seen uh, my collection and a couple others. Yeah, I, I I would think that would make sense. I mean, if it's already yellow, I mean, <laughs> you, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I don't know. Makes sense. So, okay. What That's other uh, What other pairings? No, oh, go ahead. No, I, I that was just a little observation that I noticed, and I, I don't know. If there's a whole lot of truth to it, but uh, that was just my little two cents on on the yellows, yellow neos. Yeah, we have uh, cool. we have a guest coming on next week, um, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, his name is Travis Wyman. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but um, no. he's a geneticist and one of the oh wow he posts a lot over on the uh, Bush Breeders Forum. But one of the things that I wanted him to specifically kind of research a little bit is uh, uh, chondro genetics and just <laughs> the questions like that you know what i mean see right. i mean because he comes from the genetic background uh he's educated in this stuff so mm -hmm. we'll see uh see if we can hit on any of those kind of questions uh yeah way above awesome. my pay grade <laughs> <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. i hear that yeah. Uh, yeah it'd be it'd be interesting to to know a little bit more about the the way the genetics work in the green trees yeah um what nice. other pairings are you about whether it be for next season or oh you know, season uh, after <laughs> yeah i've got uh i'm gonna try uh i think i got oh i think i'm gonna try five pairings this year <laughs> and hope that one goes wow <laughs> uh let's see um i'm gonna do let's see what do i i got i got some interesting stuff coming up i, I don't know it's hard to say uh, what's going to be my favorite. Um, I did acquire um, a, another lemon tree animal that was a um, um, a biak crossed to a biak as well, but it's not. It's actually from one of the um, last clutch last clutch that uh, Tim Tomezzi produced, uh, and he's the guy that did the lemon tree line. Um, but it right. was crossed. It came from that male um, that a friend of mine had, and uh, I recently uh, got that from him. And we're gonna cross it. We're gonna do the the black pearl female, uh, but it'll be a different. It'll be the same genetic makeup, but a different male. 
if that makes sense. Wow. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that because it, it's actually this one is this male is less inbred than the other one. Uh, it's, it's further gotcha. back in the in the, in the line. Mm. Uh, let's see, my male Sundance, which is my Kimberly Burge male, that one that's 90% yellow and with some blue on it. Um, that one's going to go with, actually, it's going to go with the very first um, female that'll be that I produce. That is, that's breedable. That'll be an interesting pair. Uh, that'll wow. be a, a milestone for me. <laughs> So she's uh, cool. finally of age, and that'll be, that'll, I'm looking forward to that one because they're two very high yellow animals. Um, I'm going to do, I'm going to try something different. I've acquired a long term captive, Aru, about eight months ago, and I'm going to try to recreate. Um, there was an animal that my friend uh, Andrew produced called Lucky 13, and it came from a pairing between this OS male that he had uh, crossed uh -huh. with a Maruki and uh, the mm -hmm. clutch was just outstanding. There was a very, just a tremendous amount of high yellow animals that came out of that clutch. And uh, so I'm going to, my theory is, is that the, this Aru female is going to do the same thing. It's, and it's just a theory, but uh, we'll see. Uh -huh. uh, I'm hoping for uh, a good amount of yellow coming out of this one. Um, let's see. The other lemon tree male that I used last year with a black pearl female, I'm going to put with uh, the Ben Evans girl, and that's that's the one that uh, that should be a very very cool clutch uh, if that happens. Um, should be some yellow and black in there. Um, she was a yellow, uh, no, he was a yellow neonate, and she was a maroon neonate. So uh, the maroon neos out of that wow. one could be could be pretty fantastic. Uh, and let's see, that's. That's really, I've got one more I'm going to put with an older female, but I'm not putting much hope into that one. And it's, uh, mm -hmm. there was an old line uh, from Jim Vargan. Um, he used to do a bunch of uh, high yellow and high blue stuff, uh, but uh, I got a older female from a friend of mine, and I'm going to try to pair her up with somebody. I'm not sure who yet, but uh, I don't know. That's about all I got. I mean, it's not anything too spectacular but uh hopefully some cool stuff will come out of it that's some pretty high-end pairings man what are you talking about <laughs> that's uh, nice. yeah, it's, it's it's nice yeah be, kind of uh, high end you know, for me uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, uh, compared to some of the designer stuff this is you know this is this isn't uh too much uh yeah to write home about but uh it's, it'll be cool we'll see okay um, Very cool. All right. Um, I had uh, well, I had two more questions before Owen hits on the uh, closing questions. One, um, I was curious with with the uh, I heard this on GTP Keeper Radio where they were talking about um, uh, just uh, chondros being at shows and uh, like reptile mm -hmm. shows. And I see the good and the bad in, in both sides of it and stressful for the animal you know there's always the dreaded mites that you could get etc cetera, etc cetera, that kind of thing right. but to a certain extent i mean especially since you and you and dave are the guys that are writing the uh beginners you know type of uh you know the questions that they ask wouldn't it be good to have 
dedicated chondro breeders echoes rather than you know your jobber that's there that's going to tell yes, misinformation by all means know. yes i agree okay. wholeheartedly um yeah those um uh, those guys uh, as david likes to call them flesh peddlers uh, I don't think they're they're good. Huh. Uh, <laughs> I, That's a good one. I, I like I that. Really, uh, I I really don't think that they're real good. I mean, I guess that there are some out there that probably know a little bit, but for the most part, um, I, I don't think it's a good idea. Um, I think that you know if if the breeders, um, captive bred breeders were were uh, there at those shows to give good information. Um, I think it'd be a much better experience for a lot of these people. Um, and, you know, and even discourage these people. I mean, they get a lot of these impulse buyers that go in and they just buy a, a condo. Oh, this is cool. I always wanted one of these. And, you know, if they buy it from one of these right. jobbers, they, you know, half the time they don't know the right way to set them up and uh, right. end up with a right. dead snake or, or, you know, them coming on the MVF going, Hey, uh, you know, my snake's dying. What do I do? So not to yeah, mention that's that, probably you know, uh, somebody that, that knows what they're. Yeah, I was going to say not to mention the fact that it's probably you know a, a freshly imported animal and you know yeah, it's already stressed right. to the max. So you know, right? It's going to require a little more uh, TLC that uh, probably <laughs> for sure. From yeah. new keepers, so a little bit more experienced person. Yeah, yeah, and most of those yeah. guys that are selling selling these animals, you know, they they're there for that show, and then they're gone. You can't get a hold of them, or they won't answer your phone calls, mm -hmm. or you know, you don't get the support you would with a, you know, uh, right. a breeder, captive born. If it dies, yeah, come I, back. I'll give you another one. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm out of them. So, yeah. No wonder he calls them flesh peddlers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I. I have been thinking about this a lot as far as, uh, you know, the topic in particular. And one of my thoughts is, is that I've seen some YouTube videos of some pretty well-known people going around. And when they talk about a species that maybe they're not as versed in as, say, somebody who really is into that species, um, mm -hmm. they tend to put misinformation out there and even though it's just subtle little things and and it i don't know it just it, it seems like if, if these people are well known in the hobby and i don't think they're doing it on purpose but i just think that they're talking about something that they may not know a hundred percent an example would be i saw people talking about scrub pythons and and again this is a pretty well-known person and mm -hmm. i don't think that it was because they were trying to spread misinformation, but when they were talking about it, clearly they had a Halmahera scrub in their hand, and they were calling uh -huh. it a bar neck, you know. There's and I'm sitting there just scratching my head, like, uh, how can you be saying that? And maybe just because I am versed in scrubs, that to me that stands out, whereas somebody that's maybe not as versed in scrubs does not so i mean with all the different localities and designers and bloodlines of chondros you would think that the same could possibly happen um, yeah it definitely could um, yeah. yeah i i you know with chondros um i i think that uh i i don't know i mean 
I don't see it happening too too much with with our group, uh, the ones that I you know deal with. Um, no, I don't think there's <laughs> yeah. too much of that at all. So, um, yeah, somebody else, uh, I can definitely see that happening. Yeah, that's why it's so important to go to people that, you know, I don't know. I preach it all the time that if you're going to go and get an animal, sure, yeah. you should go from the people that are most excited about that species. That's that's who you get it from. Exactly. You know, exactly. They, they're going to they're going to want what's best for that animal that they're giving you. And I mean, they spend you spend a lot of time. I mean, you you bred, you know, raise these things up, you've bred them, you've, you've cared for them. Uh, and I'm not going to just sell this to somebody that that's going to not want to take care of it or not know how to take care of it. I want to make sure they're set up. I want to make sure that they have the right stuff, uh, you know, the right, you know, environment before, before they get this animal. I want to make sure right, it's going right. to survive. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I did have one other question before Owen hits on his questions is, uh, sure. I was admiring your photograph photographing skills uh, as I was flipping through your pictures and I was curious if you had any uh, <laughs> tips or tricks on uh, you know uh, on how you take such killer photographs oh I, I'm a, a pale in comparison to some of the people that did condo photography um, I, I don't know I've got uh, I've got a, a Nikon an old digital Nikon uh, that I use and I have a, a pretty decent uh, 105 uh, millimeter macro uh, lens that I use outside. I like taking outside pictures. Um, I don't do too good with the flash photography. Um, I, I don't know. I just I get out there and play around. I, I really don't know a whole lot of what I'm doing. Um, I take good photos. I take a lot of pictures and hope to get good one. You know, one good picture. Um, <laughs> I don't. I really. Uh, I think that uh, you know, with a with a good camera and, and good lighting. Um, you're going to get a good picture, but, uh, you know, it, it's also having a good eye. Uh, I guess I'm lucky with some of my pictures. Of course, you know, you don't see the 10,000 bad pictures I took. You only see the one decent picture. <laughs> right. <laughs> that that, always that is true. That is true. <laughs> so uh, I figure if I, the, more, the most, more I take, the better chances I have of getting one good one. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what stand out, what stood out to me in particular is the uh, attention of the focus that you have on the animal's yeah. <clears throat> head and eyes and face. And I don't know, it just seems that you, and I guess that does make a difference. Um, it does. Having yeah, those, uh, uh, focused in. Yeah, the macro lens that I have on my camera is really, it's a great lens. And uh, uh, I definitely will give the credit to the lens. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Okay. Cool. All right, Owen. Why don't you uh Sweet. hit on the closing? All right. Um so Matt, why don't you tell us if you could have any reptile in the world with no exceptions, whether it be price or legality, what would it be and why? Oh goodness! Uh, I know, right? So many choices. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess. Well, when I got married, I, I had I made one promise to my wife. I said, "I'm not going to keep any hot snakes anymore." She didn't want me to, so uh -oh. I said, "Okay, that's fine." Uh, uh -huh. I only broke that promise once, but that's a whole different story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I would go with something hot. Um, 
I love eyelash vipers, uh, but I think ultimately I would go with um, Crotalus lepidus lepidus, the model rock rattlesnake. I think that's what I'd go with. Wow. That is like the most cool. specific we've ever gotten with like a what I would get with Latin and everything. I mean, Christ. Wow. Uh, I, I just love those animals. I think they're cool. Well, the, ven the venomous have come up a few times. It's almost like people want to get into that just because, and but it's like no restrictions means I can get venomous. Sweet. So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> all right. Some people actually said King Cobra before. So that was, so you're not that far off. You're not, you're not the craziest. I think we've yeah. had three Komodo dragons too. Anyway, yeah, yeah I, I just love those guys. Awesome. Well, I, I have to look them up. The picture of them isn't coming to my head, so I have to look them up now. Yeah, they're they're pretty neat. Um, they're they're what I like about them is is uh, at least here in Texas, they uh, they take on different colors depending on the rock formations in that area they come from. So you can That's have some awesome. that are kind of kind of a buckskin color, you know, in one formation, and then, you know, 20, 30 miles away, they, they come pink because the rock is more reddish and pink in this area. Uh, I mean, they're just really variable. They're really cool. I like them. That is awesome. That is awesome. All right. So next one is if you could go herping anywhere in the world, where would it be and what would you hope to see? Ah, Let's see. It's gonna be a jungle somewhere. Um, I guess <laughs> probably Papua New Guinea. I would just love to Papua see. Guinea. I'd love to see green tree pythons in the wild. I think that would be pretty cool. Uh, plus, there's uh, there's a whole bunch of other badass stuff over there. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah. So you can think, might stumble on a Bolins or something. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah. That is cool. I think that's where I would go. Uh, that, makes, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Awesome. So that's all I got. Um, but, uh, Eric, did you have anything else you wanted to add? I'll take that as a no. <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> Hello? Oh, sorry, just, my mic. I, I was, guess he just no, hung up. I, I mean, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> Eric's like, no, no and he hangs up real quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would just say thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate, uh, Definitely. you know, all the info that, uh, yeah, I'm spending some time with us and, Chatting well, up some contacts, always love. Yeah, awesome. I love the I love the animals. Uh, I don't claim to know everything. I'm always learning something new. So uh, it's, it's been fun. Definitely, yeah. very cool. And we'll have to have you back again. And uh, thanks. Sure. Thanks for putting together that uh, that uh, that list and um, uh, you know all the uh, topics that you hit on. I'm assuming that you're going to keep going with it because you guys seem to be adding more and more. Yeah, to it, we uh, uh, we're not we're not every we're time we check it out. Halfway done, and we still got some some other things coming along. Um, I think that uh, as soon as we get a chance, we're gonna. There's a couple more sections that we're gonna add to it. Um, trying to remember what we. It's hard to remember what we've done and what we haven't done, but um, uh, I think that we got. One on cleaning coming up. I think common health issues, common behavior issues. Uh, I think we got uh, a glossary, not a glossary, but a, a recommend reading page and uh, a links page that we're going to put into all that. With uh, I think all that will be real helpful. Very cool. Cool. Very cool. Yep. We'll keep our eyes so, revealed for that stuff. 
<laughs> one more thing if somebody wants to yeah. uh to reach out to you to uh to, to see when how can they do that uh facebook oh, email um, uh yeah i think the uh, uh facebook probably the easiest um just under matthew morris is is what my page is and um or over on the mdf if they're a member over there they can they can uh pme in either place It'd be the best thing to do okay cool Awesome. All right, man. Uh, Thanks, again, appreciate you coming on and uh, hanging out with us. Oh, no problem. Anytime, anytime. All right. Awesome. Well, you have a good night, have all right? Good all right. Take care, guys. Bye. See ya. Cool. Always love the Condro shows. Uh, I know the uh, the fans are always uh, loving the Condro shows as well, so. Glad yeah, we, could, we uh, have to rope in. We have to rope in all the animals over in the chat room. I mean, uh, again, it was one of those nights where I had to like throw my phone across the room because of the conversations going on in the chat room. So, yeah, it's pretty wild. Bring, stuff you to bring sure. those suckers into heel. I mean, unfortunately, the ringleader is uh, Bill, and uh, I place <laughs> all the blame on him. So, but other than that, it was a it was a fun show. I always like the conscious stuff. It tells me how I fail in comparison. So, you know. <laughs> Uh, I'm keeping I'm keeping mine alive so far. It's good. So yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, we've had this this talk before. Sometimes I think that. Uh, well, I think the Condro keeper in particular is somebody that's very uh, particular about certain things and meticulous I think that and you know, all sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very meticulous with. Uh, <laughs> Very meticulous when it comes to, you know, record keeping and, you know, yeah. uh, cleaning and feeding and all that kind of stuff. So, yep. Um, us carpet people are more, you know. You still got to show me how to do batch feedings on the Reptiscan because, um, yeah, I've been lazy. So, uh, yeah, uh, that might help. What are you Quiet. doing, so, man? Uh, You're letting me I down. Don't... Well, <laughs> obviously. I mean, that's nothing new. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, cool. yeah, um, let's see, uh, let me get my, uh, let me get my quick to the schedule together. What happened? Quick to the schedule. We yeah. need to know what's going on next week. Well, next week, like I said, we have, uh, uh, Travis Wyman joining us to talk genetics um, Sweet, which should be cool. So, if you have uh, any questions as far as genetics go, make sure to let us know. Um, he's been on uh, a few podcasts and uh, has talked mainly. Um, well, I guess he's talked Python genetics in general, but uh, most of the people, most of the ones that have had him on, have all been um, ball python. Uh, you know. Uh, or an, uh, I can't think of the word. Damn it! I'm at a loss for words lately. What the heck is going on? Is Ellen? it a type of? <laughs> a, is it a? Is it an animal? Fish? Vegetable? <laughs> no, I'm just what saying do you want? that it's it's ball python oriented shows. So you know when they're talking genetics, it seems to really hit on those specific type of of things. So uh, you know I I wanted to talk to him maybe about more. 
outside the box type of genetics. I wanted to specifically talk maybe about more along the lines of um, just the difference between what I call herper genetics as opposed to like real actual science genetics. Real, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> actually going on, you know? Um, so yeah, it should be a very interesting show for sure. And he's, he's, Definitely. A, he's an awesome guy. So look forward to that. Cool. Then the week after that, Owen, you're on your own. I don't know what the heck you're doing. Oh, son of a bitch. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I barely know what I'm doing, but, uh, actually I think we're going to do, uh, we're actually going to do, uh, some people have asked for this one. It's a product review show. And we're going to have me, Matt Minatola, and Zach Baez on. And we're going to go through, because three of us, we each keep our snakes in very different things and use very different kind of products. Uh, I know Zach okay. uses some plastic tubs, plastic bins. You can go through how to set that up, whether they're good buys or good not. I have cages. And I know Matt uses racks. We're going to go through the pros and cons that keeps being of using all these different kinds of things, different computer systems, stuff like that. Uh, and then we're just going to keep bullshitting until Eric comes back. So <laughs> very good. Very, very good. good. Um, yeah, that should be cool for sure. We'll see. You might have to. Yeah. Uh, so what do you have in a product review round table? All right. I, I Pretty much. It's almost like, you know, what do you use to keep your chondros in? All right. You use this. Well, why is it good? What does it do? How much does it cost? And is it worth it? How about you? What do you do? Right. Well, I keep my chondros in here. So, yeah. Between the three of us, I think we have some very different things. I know those two have pretty much the same kind of setups when it comes to their chondros. But Zach has those bins, and I just throw them in cages. Um, so, yeah. We'll see how it goes. It might be fun. So, or yeah. it might be horribly boring, and I will wish I'll ne you never left me again. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll ban you um, so from I'll vacation time. It's yeah. I, I'll be listening from sunny Florida, and I'm sure it'll be entertaining as it always is. So I'd like play recordings it. of your voice, so you can't listen to it because you can't listen to yourself. It's, so if I play recordings yeah. of yourself, you won't listen. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just so everybody knows, it's official. We will be at Tinley Park. Uh, Holy crap! We'll talking about this. Um, I was Until hoping that we would head down. I was hoping that that we would be able to head down to the uh, NARBC show in Texas. However, yeah. uh, work has You're delayed and derailed that. Derailed I'm that for me. Broke. So. Yeah, it's like yeah. There's, there's <laughs> several reasons that we can't make yeah. it, but we will. We will try for next year. But if you and I go to Australia in sixteen. That ain't going to happen again. So, well, maybe we'll get down there. Uh, I got an Australia story for you. So, oh, my, oh, oh. Uh, I'm, I get a text message today and uh, yeah. it comes in from my wife. Uh, yeah. She, it comes in from my wife and basically she sends me this thing about uh, a trip to Australia. I think it was like a thousand bucks for eight days holy, um, holy crap <laughs> yeah. I can do that. <laughs> she, she got it on groupon and she's like yeah ah. you know <laughs> so i don't know it's 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 gonna happen in 2016 so damn right it's to, gonna right? happen a thousand dollars thank you groupon <laughs> yeah. yeah right <laughs> we have to make so. sure it's not like one of the it's right we have to make sure it's not like sydney because we don't want to go to sydney we want a plane to drop us off in the middle of the bush 
and theoretically <laughs> one of us may not make it back. I mean, like yeah, if we're in Alice imminent danger of death. Like oh yeah, oh yeah. I want I want us to have to worry about where we might sleep tonight for fear of death. <laughs> All right. So that's the only way nice. we're gonna do this. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I want to do it. Don't exactly. go near the water. <laughs> you know, oh, that kind of stuff. Eric just got no, no. eaten by a solidy. Crocodile ate um, him, and it's not even didn't even like satisfy his hunger. I mean, Christ, <laughs> just an appetizer. Um, an appetizer. I mean, come I'm, on. <laughs> I'm similar. I'm similar to a mozzarella stick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so many places I can go with that, but I'm just gonna leave it be. <laughs> yeah, just let it go. Gonna, let it go. We're gonna let it go. Move forward. Right. Oh my god. All right. So we will be. <laughs> yes. We will be at Tinley the uh, NARPG show at Tinley Park on October 10th and 11th. Uh, so uh, stop on by. Me and Owen will be set up in Carpet Row. Um, I know that uh, we'll be there with uh, Zach. And Matt, Matt will be set up with uh, with his awesome animals. Uh, I think I think Zach might be bringing a few. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. But uh, but me and Owen will be there. Look for the Morelia Python Radio banner. Come over, say hello. We always love uh, putting names with faces and uh, getting to know the, the the people that support the show. So I look forward to uh, to meeting you all. Um, uh, we haven't thrown this out there in a while, so I'm going to throw it out. I'm probably going to try to throw this out as much as possible, but uh, we got to give some love to US Arc. Uh, if you're not a Definitely. member, go over to usarc.org and uh, sign up. Um, get on their mailing list so that if anything comes down the pike, you know uh, exactly what's going on. You're prepared. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I hate to break it to anybody who buys from me when I ship you animals. Uh, there is a dollar donation to U.S. Arc I don't tell you about, so uh, sorry, uh, but your shipping probably <laughs> quoted at a dollar more, so don't care. Anyway, um, yeah. it's just one of the things I think everybody could do, uh, the buck, so, uh, but yeah, go sign up, give the love to U.S. Arc, give a donation, buy a t-shirt, uh, they'll be at NARBC too, uh, you can always do a donation there as well, and every once in a while they set up a booth at any of the shows to buy t-shirts or something like that at but yeah. Yeah. And, um, one of our, uh, I was going to throw this out there. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they're doing this, but, uh, I'll probably have to get with, uh, get with the guys over at ship your reptiles just to clarify. But, um, what they do is they, they set up ship your reptiles there and, uh, say that you're at, uh, uh Tinley park and, and you want to pick up a, a wonderful carpet Python, uh, from, uh, me, Owen, and then you got your eyes set on a Borneo, and you don't know how to get it home uh, because you took a plane there. Well, fortunately, those guys have a booth set up where you can go over, yeah. and they'll ship your animal out to you, and uh, you can jump on the plane, and your animal will arrive safe and sound. Um, yeah. You know, the next, yeah. I guess, Monday. I don't. You know, yeah. I, don't know I mean, are are you are you telling me that ship your reptiles will in fact ship your reptile? Yes, from Tinley Park. Oh, wow, my my God. It's almost <laughs> like it's right there in the statement. Yeah, but that is awesome that you can do that because, I mean, otherwise you would have had to 
pack your own box, uh, which I've seen in people pack their own box at the show, and then they have to hang around till Monday, drop off the box at a FedEx facility, and then catch their plane, and then receive the box on Tuesday. You now can go do what you got to do, fly home, and ship your reptiles. We'll take it from there, and they will be the ones to drop off the package. They'll send it to where it needs to go, and it'll arrive to you after you've gotten home. So, Yeah, that's a win-win, awesome. man. It is. So glad one, it's glad one less thing you got to worry that. about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. We just um, we just drive like crazy people, so we don't need to worry about flying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's only what fifteen hours or something like that. Uh, I don't want to do it again, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's anyway. worth it, though. It is. It is. It is. So uh, yeah, MorelliPythonRadio.com check that out. Uh, that's our website. Uh, all the info that you would need about the show or about Morelia in general, it's all right there uh, for you guys to check out. Um, if you have a question or a comment, you want to send us a, send us an email, feel free to drop us a line at info at moreliapythonradio.com, uh, guest topic, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, and give our Facebook page a like, I didn't tell you, Owen, but I bought some ads on Facebook for Morelia Python Radio. Uh, Is Facebook that why it's page. been cropping up all over the place? Like, how do I tell it that yeah. I'm a co-host and I know what's going on? So, like I the page. Going on. <laughs> now, I do like the page. Ouch. <laughs> like the yeah. page and it'll go. Away. All right. Well, all right then. <laughs> we can make this all stop if you like the page. Um. Yeah, I, I, I was curious to see uh, what kind of results we would get from uh, from that. Um, so, yeah, uh, Murray Python Radio Facebook page, that's kind of where we post uh, the news and upcoming events, and uh, I try to share something a day uh, that I see that relates to the world of Morelia or Pythons in general. Um, so check that out. You can follow us on Twitter at Morelli Python, uh, the show, you can go get it over on iTunes, uh, download it for free. Um, you know, uh, I think if you're using Android or whatever, whatever your podcast app of choices, you can, uh, you can get it from, from there as well. Just type in Morelli Python's radio and, uh, it'll pop up there for you. Um, I was just going to say something else, and now I'm forgetting. Uh, hmm. Carpet Fest. The Northwest Carpet Fest um, has moved to October 3rd. Um, and I think they rearranged some dates so they could have both Nick Mutton and Casey Lazic there, uh, which is pretty cool. Oh, nice. Uh, those guys are pretty big players in the uh, Morelia world, so it uh, be cool to hang out with those guys. Uh, Doug Taylor is uh, hosting it, uh, and it's uh, right in the Seattle area. Um, so they're doing uh, they're doing a U.S. Arc auction. So if you're interested in uh, donating for that, uh, get in, co in contact with Amy. Uh, go over to the Northwest Carpet Fest page, um, and you can uh, check out what they have going on. Uh, so don't forget, it's uh, October 3rd, uh, which kind of sucks because now I can't go. 
I don't know about yeah. you, Owen, but that's the week before Tinley, and like, I can't have two weekends off think? in a row. You're right. Let me go. Let me go look at my giant bag of gold that I keep hidden from you people. Oh <laughs> nope, shit, tis, tis Baron. Yeah, it's, well, what if the hell you buy you like mean? rough skills every week, you would be all right. But, I do not buy them every week. I bought one girl, and therefore <laughs> I am now spent. God. Yes. Speaking of which, why haven't we had uh, David on the show? I don't know. Let's do that. I know. Yeah. I've been oogling maybe. over his rough scales, and I have one now. So Yeah, maybe uh, we'll get yeah. him on and get him. The, about, uh, he's a Green Tree Python guy, too. So, yeah. Well, he's All he's right. the guy that won uh, won the contest last year uh, for the, the picture in the calendar. Oh. Oh. David. Yeah, David I D, re- right? I re- yeah, I remembered that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I know. Speaking of which, that's going to be coming yeah. up soon, and uh, the calendar uh, competition. And oh my god, it already! Because <laughs> yeah. it's like the calendar competitions. Year. Christ, the calendar competitions coming up. The anniversary show is coming up. Before we know what we do in the damn holiday show, holy yeah. crap! And then we'll have two weeks off. Yeah, these past couple of weeks have been so stressful for me. I don't know why, but work's been crazy. You know, 70 hours a week at work, uh, doing this show, like taking care of so snakes. much fun. Yeah, uh, which is know, why I love like it when non-stop. people. Why I love it when people were like, you know, uh, somebody was like, admin, add me to the pick of the week. Add me, add me, add me. I'm like, shut your damn mouth. I will get to you when I get to you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> we don't do this for a living. I'm not here at your beck and call. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, Speaking so of, oh, that's good? what I was going to mention. Go for it. Uh, that's that's what I was going to mention. Uh, our Facebook group page is Morelia Pick of the Week. Um, I think along with Morelia Pick of the Week, uh, I'm a big fan of Morelia, et cetera. I would like to yep. see more et cetera on, on there. So uh, if the you're into other yeah. things uh, and you want okay. to show off to the Morelia family, go over to Morelia, et cetera, and, and post up what you got going on. Yeah. Uh, and I want to throw a shout out for the other group page uh, that uh, recently cropped up uh, is uh, the Morelia Breeders uh, Classified page. Um, yep. Basically, what you're looking at there is uh, if if they produce the animal, they're selling the animal. Um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. So, mm-hmm. um, to post on it, you had to have to made the baby. I mean, to post on that form, you had to, on that classified, you had to have produced the animal and are currently taking care of that animal. And this way, all it's coming from you, and that's uh, to cut back on some of the people who you know buy clutches and wholesale who don't really know what they're talking about or various other things. It's just basically a way to do that. And it's a, it's a good group. I mean, I've already had a few sales come from it just because people go there to look straight from the breeder. So I like it. Right. Let me keep posting yeah. on it. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's what I got as far as that goes. As far as myself personally, uh, I'm E.B. Morelia. You can follow me on my Facebook page at EB Morelia. Uh, check me out on Twitter. Um, when I do have Instagram, I haven't been posting on there much lately, but uh, yeah, you can check that out. Um, my website is uh, ebmorelia.com. 
if uh, you want to get in contact with me about uh, anything that I have available or questions or anything of the such, you can contact me at eric at ebmorelia.com. Um, and that's all I got. Cool. Uh, what I got is you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. Uh, we have it's some parts of it are being updated, but the main part, which is the babies for sale, that is all current. Um, also, you can go and look up Rogue Reptiles at Facebook.com to get latest happenings at Rogue as well as uh, the for sale ads over there. Um, also, if you have a baby that you've purchased from us and wish to submit the picture to be put in the sold babies album, please just email me uh, through the website or PM me on Facebook with the picture as well as when you bought it. And if it, the animal has a name, shoot that to me too. And I'd be happy to throw it up for you. Um, always love seeing the guys that have left the nest. Um, as far as shows go, the only show we have coming up for rogue is first one will be Tinley park, Chicago in October. And then the weekend after Tinley park, we'll be having the Hamburg reptile show. So, uh, depending on how well I do at Tinley will be how many animals I will bring to Hamburg. So if you're expecting to get an animal from me at Hamburg, I would suggest trying to secure it before I go to Tinley. So again, all through the website, if you want to see updated pics of animals, let us know. Uh, I should be attending, uh, the Habitat Grace reptile show this weekend, as well as the white plains reptile show. I think it's sometime in September. Um, if you want us to deliver a baby to the show, one of those shows that can be arranged free of charge, just let us know and we'll work stuff out. Uh, other than that, I will say thank you all for listening. And we hope to catch you guys next week for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night. Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin and Markland and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit thereptilereport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is... It's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords and use our Buy It Now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad that also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buying or selling? Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. 
ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animal successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates and materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit TheReptileReport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder, then visit ShipReptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related. 